Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And I'm Nick. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast where myself and Kyle, and I guess today Nick, uh, introduce each other to films, and in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of December 2020, and we are in the midst of Kyle's brutal Christmas. Uh, essentially what this has been is a uh, weekly review of uh, films that are Christmas and or holiday related that also have, you know, a bit of blood and guts to them. You know, they got some balls. Um, so, speaking of which, Kyle, uh, what what is our concluding film for Kyle's Brutal Christmas? Uh, Kyle's Brutal Cl- Christmas is ending with uh, Die Hard from 1988. Um, I chose this one, one, because I thought my brother might have a few things to say about it, and I thought it'd be fun to get him on an episode while I was visiting him. But I, and I was thinking about it, I'm like, I think this is the OG uh, Brutal Christmas movie. I know we said Black Christmas was, but I'm like, I think this is the original. This is the... the the bloodiest of the Christmas movies, then this is the first one. Uh, I cannot confirm uh, if that is true or not. However, I do think that that's an interesting topic to start off with. So uh, before we recorded, uh, Nick actually told both you and I about a little project that he has going on at, at his office, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick, could you, could you fill us in on what that might be? Well, technically this was last year. But yes, uh, so we were tasked to decorate our cubicles with our favorite Christmas movie and I didn't really have one but I talked to a co-worker and she said well you could do Die Hard and I was like that is a great idea and so I was like yes I could do the Nakatomi building I could have I've got like these overhead shelves I'm like I can put him in the vent right there and I could uh, then she said well you could also do like arguments for and against and at the time, I was like, well, what are you talking about? She's like, whether or not it's a Christmas movie. And I was like, well, I said, yeah, of course it is a Christmas movie. We always watch it at Christmas. It's, I mean, yeah. So I had to list, like, reasons for, uh, reasons against. I let people, they could write in what they thought. And it was kind of interesting. And I, I guess that, that's when I really kind of dug into the uh, debate. But, uh, yeah, that was pretty much what, our, what uh, we were supposed to do. I mean, it sounds like a really fun project for the whole office to get invested in. It was, At this yeah. point, like, among us, you know, a specific age range in particular, Die Hard is just, it's a known quantity at this point. Most people with any interest in action movies have seen Die Hard and are at least familiar with, you know, the tropes of it and, you know, the, right. the broader strokes of it and whatnot, even if they haven't seen it. Um, but the reason why I wanted to draw attention to that is because I wasn't aware of this. Um, but I think all of us casually kind of brought it up in conversation before we started recording. Apparently, there is a debate uh, yeah. regarding the validity of Die Hard being a Christmas movie or not. It's deadly serious. Um, <laughs> so, so, I mean, like on top of Kyle saying, like, this might be the first brutal Christmas movie, there's apparently people in this world who don't even think of it as a Christmas movie, let alone a brutal one. Um, so, you know, I, I figure we should jump on the bandwagon and maybe share a few thoughts about, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I also figured this would be a good way to end the month because we're actually out of Christmas. It's after That's Christmas true. now. So I'm like, if you think that it's a Christmas movie, well, great. It's still in December. If you don't think it's a Christmas movie, well, it, Christmas is over. So you're fine. You're out of the woods. <laughs> um, I doubt that anybody listening has never seen this movie. And if you are, Wow. Uh, watch it. <laughs> but let me. I'm, I just want to give the plot real quick. Um, 
John McClane is separated from his wife Holly and he has gone to Los Angeles to visit her and see his kids. While visiting her, a group of exceptional thieves take over Nakatomi Plaza and he is the flying the ointment, uh, stopping them from completing their master plan. That's right. Yes. That is correct. He is the monkey in the wrench, the pain yeah. in the ass. The pain in the ass. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, that is a summary of Die Hard. But, um, is this the best you, Bruce Willis movie? I, it might be. <laughs> I feel like he tried in this one, and a lot of the others, I'm like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, in Bruce Willis's case, uh, this was one of his first movies. Like, he was primarily a television actor at this point in time in 1988. Um, Bonnie Bedelia as well. Um, obviously, her career didn't exactly take off the same way his did, but uh, he got paid a lot to do this movie, and I it was kind of neat seeing him show up because in recent years he most certainly has not all the time. I've, unfortunately, yeah. I have seen some of those red box movies uh, with oh. his head big as life and twice as ugly on the cover, and yeah, he's totally checked out. Yeah, I'll yeah. give him the whole nine yards. It's not a great movie, but it's fine. I feel like that's one where he could be lazy in, though. He's like, oh, I'm just a mob boss. All right, whatever. I'll just I'll just have this face the whole movie. It's still fine. It still works. It works in that one. Yeah, I guess. It's okay. I mean, I feel like there was maybe a little bit of contract negotiation where he just, like, squinted at his agent. <laughs> so do I get to wear a goofy hat in this one? Because <laughs> I won't do it unless I get to wear the hat. Well, that was like when Friends was in full swing. So that was a Matthew Perry movie. That wasn't a Bruce Willis That's movie. That's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, um, in, in regards to Die Hard being a Christmas movie, though, is there anyone in the room who thinks it's not? I mean, we, we have two. We, we have his wife and my, my girlfriend upstairs. Uh, I don't think... I think Steph disagrees that it's a Christmas movie. For the most part, she may have... Uh, she may have seceded and said that... It was, but we're not watching it. She's like, yeah, it's a Christmas movie, but we're not watching it because it's, it's you know, too violent. I get that. But... But, yeah, Nick, what's your angle here? I, okay, so does that mean any Christmas movie, you know, with violence, does that make it not a Christmas movie? I mean, I feel like that's... Not fair. Like, where do you draw the line? Like, it has violence, so it's not a Christmas movie. What about Jingle All the Way? I mean, what about <laughs> Christmas Vacation? Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, uh, I... I feel like a lot of people that actually care about these things, I'm not one of them. I don't really care. A, yeah, a Christmas movie is, you know, whatever it is, whatever you want out of it, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. For some folks, though, there's like a certain tone and maybe a, yeah. a certain level of like cheesiness or um, emphasis on certain themes that would be important for them to consider it like a, a true Christmas movie. I mean, you could call Die Hard like a Christmas adjacent movie, I guess. Like if, yeah. if you want to yeah. be weird about it, but. I mean, there, there's enough Christmas imagery. There's several Christmas carols played in the film. Um, even the director, I've listened to the fucking commentary on this thing. Like, he says in the first five minutes, it's a Christmas movie. Uh, it takes so place at a Christmas party. What, <laughs> there's yeah, like, regardless of what y'all think, the guy who made it called it a Christmas movie. Why so would you put so, yeah, so much Christmas stuff in it? Like, I think there's sleigh bells throughout yeah. the entire score. The I mean, first piece of music you hear in the film <laughs> yeah. on the soundtrack has get, jingle bells in an L.A. airport. So you get yeah. Christmas in Hollis. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. It, clearly, they're putting, they're planting that seed like throughout the entire movie that they're trying to. 
put you in that headspace that hey guess what it's christmas time we're at a christmas party in fact throughout this entire film and not like i'm trying to convince anybody but there are some other kind of a little bit more abstract um just like things throughout the movie where i'm like well i guess yeah you kind of it is kind of there's a lot of christmas um i don't know what, what the word would be but a lot of christmas things yeah, there's a lot of Christmas iconography. There's a lot of props and, and sets that are actually dressed up to look Christmassy. I mean, in the very climax of the film, we get a dramatic Christmas tree fall over moment. Well, that's, that's, it's dramatic because it's a beautiful Christmas tree. And, you know, your you're Kevin McAllister inside you is going, oh, no, <laughs> Christmas is ruined. There, but, there, uh, somebody pointed out um, like a theory that uh, he was actually going to blow up his whole team that he was actually just him that was going to make it out. So I'm going to ask you, do you think that whole crew could have fit into that ambulance at the end? Absolutely not. Really? Right. No, there's no way. Yeah. Dude, those are good Scandinavian slash German stock. Like their shoulders are three, four feet wide at least. Well, you got that one piece of shit from uh, uh, Ghostbusters 2, whatever that guy's name is. Yeah. um, The, A.K.A. the worst human being yeah. that's ever lived, yeah. uh, Wilhelm von Homburg. Yes, I can remember um, his name. Folks at home, yeah, folks at home, if you are not aware of who this is, um, I think it was on like uh, Kotaku or, or one of those one of those uh, web ring uh, news outlets uh, did a whole piece about this man. He was a despicable human being, but uh, he's well known to audiences around the world as Vigo the Carpathian yeah. uh, from Ghostbusters 2. And in this, he plays... Uh, burly german man that gets blowed up <laughs> isn't he <laughs> also the dude know. the dude in the wheelchair from that uh digstown digstown yes, yes. uh we, yeah. we did an episode on it a while back we james did an Woods. episode on that like two years ago good yeah, while back. Back. Oh, back um so yeah where do we uh where do we go from here What's i next? mean it's diehard every everyone in this discussion probably knows the movie frontwards and backwards so we can go anywhere you like all right <laughs> well how about your uh, our experience with it? Like, when did we first watch it? Children. We. We. <laughs> children. <laughs> children. <laughs> there are certain lines that are burned into my memory. Yeah. Uh, we saw this around, like, like I told uh, one of the podcasts, like, we watched Terminator 2, Predator 2 when we were way too young, and this was on that docket of things that we watched pretty young. Um, I was trying to remember the movies that were on on this tape. So this was a this was a um, VHS, a, a triple yeah. feature VHS uh, record off TV. So we had Die Hard, I think Lethal Weapon two and Total Recall were the other movies on that cassette. But we only got through Die Hard. We didn't get to the other two for a while. Yeah, we had tapes like that at our house too. Um, we had a really, really horribly degraded uh, bootleg copy of The Crow. Mm. Uh, that like my brother had drawn on like he drew a, a raven <laughs> symbol on it and it spooked me so That's I was tight. always afraid of that tape and then when I finally got up the guts to actually pop it into the, the VCR it looked like just snow like, like like it was so degraded you couldn't watch it um, but wow, that's cool. You had like a triple feature, so that must. I'm assuming that was a bootleg. Like, yeah, oh yeah, from that TV was a f- or something. That was a free HBO weekend. Very nice. I, that was our Empire Strikes Back. It still had the HBO watermark on it and everything. <laughs> but um, so it must have been recorded on like LP setting. So it probably didn't look great, but it didn't matter because you're a kid. I mean, it looked fun. I mean, it looked like a normal time, v- yeah. yeah, it looked like a normal VHS. Everything looked like crap. So <laughs> like, you actually that's just... don't realize how bad it looks until you like watch a Blu-ray and then you try to go back and watch a VHS. You're like, how? 
how did you watch this? It's I mean, it's like my best, my favorite example of that is Nintendo 64. Mm. You hook up a Nintendo 64, especially to a modern, like, flat panel, like, LED or LCD television. Oh, my God. Like, you try to play GoldenEye on four-player, it's just, like, it's just motion blur the game. Like, GameCube. I see nothing but just smudge polygon. GameCube actually holds up. I played a GameCube not too long ago, and it actually still works. Oh, yeah, GameCube's manageable, but you go back <laughs> one more generation, it's rough. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but... So how old would you say you guys were when you first saw it? I was probably like eight. Yeah, I was. I feel like I'm always five in these scenarios. Like, when, <laughs> yeah. if I was eight, he was five. Yes. When we when we think back, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I was five when I watched that. I'm pretty sure I was five when we watched that too. And just yeah, yeah. so it's on like and so Showgirls, forth. Showgirls, five. <laughs> Conan, five. 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 Yeah. I forget that like I was way too young to be watching it. I didn't even piece together like, oh, you were way too young to be watching it. <laughs> yes. Sallow. Five. <laughs> Caligula, four. <laughs> got, got to that one really. I've forgotten more about Roman orgies than you'll ever know. Hey, we're okay, though. We turned out all right. Yeah, we're fine. <laughs> I'm not crazy. I'll kill anyone who says I am. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, I actually had a funny road to this one. Um, because in retrospect, uh, I got to Die Hard in a, in a kind of strange roundabout fashion. So, like, some of the earliest vhs tapes that i ever bought for myself apparently i had a thing for the fox corporation because uh alien <laughs> was one of them yeah right uh, predator the first one uh was one of them um and die hard was one of them as well but that came a little bit later because actually the first die hard i ever saw was die hard with a vengeance um at a friend's house uh unbeknownst to my oh. parents <laughs> I remember watching Die Hard with a Vengeance with Devin, with our parents, and uh, I remember uh, that beginning scene. What? That beginning. Yeah, scene I, I didn't understand rough. it. Yeah. But as I got when I watched it when I was older, I'm like, oh, dude, I, I didn't realize that's yeah. what was happening. But where uh, Samuel L. Jackson's yelling at him, he's like, it's Zeus. He's like, if you, uh, he's like, it's Zeus. If you say it wrong again, I'm gonna uh, hit you with the lightning bolt or something. And I thought <laughs> jam, he said, jam a, jam a lightning bolt up your ass. I thought he said light bulb growing up so i'm like that's really that's really messed up man that's really gonna hurt <laughs> but yeah yeah it, like if you put it up there and then kick it or something that's, yeah, that's like some fucked up american oh, history like chelsea grin or something, or something. <laughs> yeah like oh. that's creative shit <laughs> jeez <laughs> boom yeah it's kind but of i think the reason why i ended up seeing die hard with the vengeance first uh was because for a very long time I, this is me talking out my ass and just remembering fragmented memories but I feel like uh, Die Hard 2 and 3 got a lot more play on television than Die Hard 1 because of the violence and the profanity. Because Die, Die Hard is a brutal movie. When, when It's like in Bruges, where it's not violent all the time, but, but when, when, when does, people yeah. get shot, it's gooey, yeah. and it's yeah, good. Yeah. What? Um, Die Hard with a Vengeance is kind of like scaled back quite a bit. There's very little action in that movie, to be honest, and very little bloodletting. It's more cat and, and mouse, yeah. Yeah, it's it's more of a caper in in a lot of ways, and it, it I feel like it was on TNT and TBS like all the time. It was, and it wasn't until like FX kind of like cut the chain and just said fuck it, we're gonna put Starship Troopers on at like <laughs> twelve in the twelve on a Monday or whatever. <laughs> fuck it, <laughs> that we start seeing it on on TV more regularly. What are those called? The the fake uh, blood Squ squibs? Squibs? Is that what they're called? Yes. Yes. Those, I remember those vividly as a child. Especially the ones where the guy gets shot in the legs mm -hmm. up. I was like, oh my 
Gosh, that <laughs> that <laughs> stuck in there for a while. <laughs> Maybe we should go through like while we're on it. Let's let's talk about some of our favorite. I think we should talk about a little bit about the characters, but we could talk about some of our favorite deaths in the movie because we. I mean, we've done an episode on just favorite movie deaths, but I think each terrorist kind of gets his like each terrorist kind of gets his own thing in this movie, which kind of makes it fun. Uh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, they all get shot. Don't get me wrong. Most of them get shot, but it's in, each one in is creative memorable. ways. Yes, yes, each one's memorable. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I think that's a, a beautiful topic to talk about because I think that's part of the brilliance of this movie is that, you know, we've all seen people get shot in movies, um, but the way <coughs> each and every squib in this movie is strategically placed and, like, the choreography of the action and the edits, you're right. Like, every death in this movie feels like a signature death in some way mm-hmm. where there's no ordinary shootings. It's like every instance of someone getting shot feels like that belonged to him. Like, he really owned that he really yeah. owned those explosive <laughs> devices strapped to him. They probably wasn't told exactly when they were going to go off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think my favorite death uh, probably has to be the... It's, he, he's barely a character. He's the one working on the, uh, the bomb system. He's the one setting up the bombs. He's the, he has the big sweater and the big curly hair. But he com- oh, yeah, he's got a perm, man. Yeah. <laughs> he comes around the corner, and he just gets mincemeat. Just poof, 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 poof. And, like, it looks like someone hit him with a baseball bat. He just like shoots back, like falls back. And I think his is probably my favorite. I was going to say, yeah, I think it is because his was more quick and brutal than I think a lot of the others. The others, I think, got a little bit more, like, hang there for a sec. His was, came around the corner, boom, gone. Yeah. And it was, it was like, oh, he's, he's, he's down. He's, yeah. he's out. Yeah. Yeah, I want to draw attention to the choreography of that because I, I agree with both of you. It's, it's fantastic. And what makes it special is what you're saying, Nick. It, it's very, it feels very incidental. It, it's actually an accident. That's really? what's kind yeah. of awesome about it. Because uh, the two characters, if I remember right, I know for certain the other guy with the dark hair. <laughs> no more table. <laughs> no more table. Why are you calling pow? <laughs> Vaguely that Italian. Guy yeah. sure. That guy for sure. His name is Marco. The yes. Guy, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, how could you forget? No, I actually, Marco. I actually brought that up. I was like, is he wearing a, a cross on his neck? <laughs> I, like, I think he's Italian. Yes, he is. His complexion, his hair, his name. Yes, he, yes. he's definitely from the Mediterranean. Yes. Um, but that is definitely Marco, um, and he, of course, eats it in the legs a few seconds later. But uh, Fritz, I think, is the fellow with the perm behind him. Yes, I um, believe it's Fritz, the guy rigging the explosives. Um, that by all rights, should not have been there, being as he's the guy rigging the explosives. Right, but I guess he yeah. was the closest one, so they, they made him go. He's also way uh, too handsome. Like, uh, he was just way too handsome to be a thief. Like, dude, you could have done something else. Like, you didn't that have to do this. That was intentional on the part of, like, the casting. And that actually, huh. I think, is really brilliant how, like, each and every one of the t- quote-unquote terrorists, uh, the exceptional thieves, as Kyle had put them, uh, they they were kind of cast like based on their looks and their stature and stuff to to look like you know like an arnold schwarzenegger type or something where it's like that that's your typical action hero and then you have kind of frumpy john mcclain <laughs> like yeah, knocking yeah. Off one, one. um but going back to uh, fritz the way he gets capped um i love the way it's choreographed because it's so sudden and just awesome the way it happens because like marco runs into the room and it's the same room that takagi got shot in the head so the blood's like still on the fucking glass and they get in this like borderline Mexican standoff situation where John's like shouting at the guy shouting at Marco holding his gun up to him. Marco's just like putting his hands up and they're shouting at each other. It's very confusing. And then Fritz shows up and Marco hears him coming and he drops down. 
And so when John starts shooting, he's aiming at Marco, but Fritz just happens to be standing yeah. there, and he eats he eats a couple in like the chest. And yeah, the way the squib goes off, it almost looks like a chunk of his shoulder got torn off or something. Mm-hmm. But like he falls, and the mo- the movie just moves on. It's like yep. can't, nope, he's don't, worry Move on. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about him. Don't worry about him. It's like Marco's got a lot to say though. <laughs> <laughs> we also look at like the design of the table that he's on. Like who the fuck designed this table? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is not useful at all. It's yeah, it's kind of, it's like a zigzag. It's yeah, a lightning bolt. It's like something from Midsummer. Yeah, how would you conduct a meeting on that? Table? Like somebody, somebody would have a terrible corner to work. Yeah, with. Just be like this is awful. Like, you got people's knees touching. Like this, this is not how. We this is not how this. This is terrible. But Nick, did you uh, did you have a favorite death that hasn't been mentioned already? Honestly, this is something that I just thought about. Uh, my brother, well, Kyle, clearly, he's here, <laughs> my brother. But uh, we just kind of noticed this the past time that we watched it. But the first guy that gets it, Carl's brother, no idea what his name is, Carl's brother. Uh, he get he gets his neck broken, I think, down the stairs. And then he... I guess drags him down the stairs or up the stairs. I don't know which one. Gets a marker, writes on his chest, gets a hat, and then takes his shoes off, puts him in a chair in an elevator, and sends him down. And I'm just wondering, what were those guys thinking? <laughs> what what the heck was Hans thinking when he sees that body? It's like, is this a guest? Who, like, who <laughs> killed this person and did this to him? There's no way they thought it was a cop. I think he said, was it a security guard that we missed? What security guard? Who would do this? It never it never dawned on me yeah. like, how crazy it is that he just put a dead man's body down there. He doesn't even really know what these guys... I guess he did hear machine guns, so he. I guess he could assume that they're terrorists. But this is uh, this is crazy behavior from somebody. Yeah, that's not even normal cop behavior. I mean, that's <laughs> that's bad. I was man. wondering what you thought. Uh, I mean, that is some like serial killer shit. <laughs> like, like that's a different movie altogether. Like you have, a, it starts out like a diehard knockoff, and then it's like, oh wait, with a twist, uh, there's a serial killer in the building that's yes. killing a terrorist, unbeknownst to the like, not even aware. That there's something going on. He's just killing people and taking advantage of the chaos. Yeah, it turns into the house that Jack built. It's just like it's a serial killer loose in <laughs> Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza. And they, oh, yeah, that that is a lot of trouble to go to for you know, just a little information bit of a disruption. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank God you called police. There's a man running around crazy in Nakatomi. <laughs> yeah. Again, totally different movie, but um, yeah, I mean. The, the fellow that plays Tony, uh, friend of the show, not really, but uh, no. he was in uh, Death Machine. Yes. Uh, Andreas Wisniewski. Uh, really? yeah. He was one of the he was one of the goons. Interesting movie, to hmm. say the least. Um, but yeah, yeah it, he was it's one a fun one. Yeah, uh, he he typically plays goons. He played a goon in Mission Impossible, and uh, also he got to be like the head goon in a James Bond movie. Like he got to That's be fun. the like the odd job equivalent in a License to Kill. Or like random task. He, yeah, you have, uh, to speak in, you, have to, you have to speak in Austin Powers terms because I know James Bond more through Austin Powers. Okay, well uh, he was he was like the heavy in a, a Timothy Dalton James Bond movie. Oh, okay. Uh, no, it was Living Daylights actually. Now that I remember, but 
I was gonna, um, anyway, go ahead. I was just going to say, I actually watched a lot of the James Bond movies over the past couple of weeks. They're free on YouTube, and uh, I, I'm working remotely, so, I mean... I'm totally not supposed to be watching movies, but... <laughs> I'm totally Maybe don't watching tell your co-workers. I'm, I'm watching movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm right there with you, bud. <laughs> so I'm so doing the same. What, what would be your favorite death of Die Hard? Uh, Do you need a pass? Come yeah, back yeah come back to me. Come come back. What okay. would you? Um, well, I'm, I'm torn between a few, because uh, they're all good. We'll like, talk it, it out. It's actually, Just work through okay, it. Okay, I'll, I'll talk it out. So, um, I don't even know the fella's name, uh, but... Describe two. <laughs> there are two instances um, wherein legs are capped cap to hell. In this uh, Marco is the first one. But then there's another anonymous fella that he's basically the guy that's corralling hostages most of the movie. Not Fabio. He's, get the Fabio fuck is back. Fabio. Yeah. yeah, he's get the fuck back. <laughs> I don't know his everything. name. Yeah, he's, the, he's telling, we shut them up. He's telling them everything. <laughs> I remember which one you're talking that, about. That guy, um, he, uh, so Fabio eats it right before him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is immediately after John McClane and Hans Gruber have their confrontation, their, their first face-to-face in the entire movie, uh, out of two. Um, and then Hans is outed, and then uh, his backup arrives in the form of Fabio, get the fuck back, yeah. and Carl. <laughs> Carl. Carl. And uh, Fabio eats it when John just like runs across the room, and it's very similar to Fritz. He's just in the wrong place, wrong time. Like I don't even think John McClane was aiming. He just ran, did the Rambo thing, going, <laughs> and kind of sprayed and prayed. Um, but this other guy, get the fuck back, uh, he runs in there like an idiot, and uh, John blasts both of his kneecaps, and it looks like cherry jello yeah. exploding out of his yes. legs. It's juicy, yes. <laughs> it's juicy. It's chunky salsa. <laughs> it's the same, I feel like it's the same squibs that they used on uh, Predator, because the it was like the same color and the same gooiness. Yeah, probably it probably was. was. Yeah, I'm sure Paul Verhoeven saw this movie um, Right after Robocop, he was like, he was like Those motherfuckers, they stole my squibs. They stole my squibs. But the real icing on the cake is that not only did his legs get blown out, that'll kill you in a, you know, after you go into shock and you bleed out. He falls through a plate glass yeah. window head first. Yeah. And it's like, yes, that is how you kill a man. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's how you kill a motherfucker. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah that was it's rough. great. Um, and another one, though, is uh, Al Leong, of course. Uh, Genghis Khan from Bill and Ted's Excellent yes. Adventure. And, uh, of course, he's been in God knows how many 80s movies as the guy with the hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. he never changed his hair throughout his entire career, and he always had that same beard. Um, he's the uh, he's the Japanese... Uh, what's Arnold's friend? Uh, oh, Oli Thorson? Yeah, Sven Oli Thorson, yeah. Never says anything, but he's in, like, every movie. Sorry to pull rank on you, Kyle, but so are you Chinese or Japanese? (laughs) (laughs) Al Leong is Chinese. But but anyway, uh, I love how he how he exits the film. Mm -hmm. It's just door opens, looking bug eyed directly into the camera. (laughs) The entire clip empty. He dumped (laughs) a clip in that. that, He needed every one of those bullets. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that would have come in handy at the end when he only had two, right? Yes. <laughs> it's like, well, I just had to empty it all on the, the smallest guy on the bad guy's team. Again. Yeah. <laughs> he's also bullet. He's very, he's got a heavy finger because when, especially when he's on the rooftop and he's getting like the trifecta coming for him 
and he's like he puts a new clip in and he has to get through that door he dumps the clip on the door like you had to just shoot the handle a couple times See, that's a cool character moment that i i think was very intentional on the part of the filmmakers uh because he's a cop he's not mm-hmm. a swat guy and he's handling a mp5 it's like you know fully automatic submachine gun he loads the thing it takes him a few seconds mm-hmm. um and then he's trying to shoot the lock off, and he kind of like holds it like an idiot. He looks like, uh, is it Harry or yes. is it yeah. Harry or it's Harry? Yes, it's Harry. Harry at the end of Dumb and Dumber when he's like holding the revolver <laughs> upside down and sideways. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like that when he's handling this this MP5 because he pulls the trigger and it totally gets away from him. Yeah, like he like kicks back and he's like seated while he's shooting it. He's he doesn't know exactly what he's doing. It's kind of neat. <laughs> It also gives him, an, you know, an excuse to run out of ammo and discard the thing too. Mm. Um, but Nick, how you doing on yours? I got, I actually got two. So okay. I'm gonna, I, I like Carl's final death, just because I like that it wraps it up, it's satisfying, and then it, it kind of finishes. It's pal, right? Pal, his cop. Yeah, his cop buddy, his yeah. arc. Al pal. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is actually the one that hit me the hardest as a kid. Which is surprisingly Takagi. Mm. Ooh, yeah. Kind of the unarmed. I wasn't expecting it. Kind of put the gun down. Toying with me. No. And then pop. <laughs> I kind of like Ellis's build up, which is yeah. kind of fun because as he's having the conversation, could uh, we get like that callback with Takagi? He's taking the silencer off, and then we cut back to him talking. Ellis is talking to John. He's already got the silencer off and he's setting the gun down. It's kind of cool. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I know what's I know what's happening next. We saw that. Yeah, yeah. and the, the build is really nice too. Where uh, you can hear, you we cut to John's end of the conversation. You can hear Ellis like pleading on the. He's like, he's like, hey, this is this is radio, not t- television, yeah. on. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that laugh. <laughs> that actor, um, he Hart Bachner. Um, I learned it just tonight um he deserves a medal because yeah, he, yeah. he knew what role he was playing and he was, really sold it i mean how anything else is, i i feel I like he wasn't yeah i think he wasn't something else i'm not sure what else he was in i looked at his imdb at one point and i like i feel like i did see him something else but i didn't recognize him in the movie right yeah. um but yeah him doing coke in the office like my god dude the door's <laughs> cracked he's got lines you do bumps in somebody else's office you're not <laughs> chopped chopping up lines and just doing them straight off somebody else's desk but he's in the middle of a line and he has to like wipe it away as his boss comes in <laughs> so oh, yeah now, but, this this movie's packed with so many little details that i'm sure we're going to get into so I, I definitely want to put a pin in that but okay. um going back to the deaths though like ellis's death I, I like that um both his and takagi's have like a they have a connection in the form of it almost being like a ritual mm-hmm. where it's like I'm trying to get something out of you. When it becomes clear I'm not going to get it from you, here's what happens. Um, in Takagi's place, we get to see exactly what happens. Right. Um, but by the time we get to Ellis, it's you know halfway through the movie, and we don't need to see it again. We just get an audio cue. We hear the gunshot go off. And that glorious close-up pan behind his head where mm-hmm. we, we you can partially see through his yeah. head from yeah. behind. It's yeah. like that's all the visual information you need to know that, yes, Ellis now has a pretty big hole in his head and he is dead he didn't even get to finish that coke yeah. <laughs> coke and coke <laughs> <laughs> my thing was is like he asked for a little bit of coke and i think that he was out of cocaine and he was expecting one of the terrorists to have it and they bring him a coke i wish that would have been a gag he's like can i get a little coke yeah, and they bring exactly. him like a coca-cola well all you'd have to do is uh, they had 
Fabio like crack the can for him and like pouring it while he's on the radio. You Ooh. just have him like pick up the glass and like give like a really upset look. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. It's not, it's not exactly. What <laughs> you want, but... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just one real quick every time. <laughs> Um, oh, but yeah, I, I agree with you on, on Takagi's death being like one of the more like shocking and impactful yeah. ones. Because truthfully, he's like he feels like an actual victim in this movie. Yeah, like yeah. everybody else, it's like you know it's an action movie. These guys have it coming or whatever. With him though, it's like they go to great lengths to make him seem like a pretty cool guy. At yeah, and then when it happens, I I'm I actually did a little research on this. I guess they uh, had to fight the censorship board a lot. Really? To, to get to show like the one frame of of the bullet going into his head, um, because it was too gruesome, and it is still pretty fucking gruesome. Did they, okay, so so Predator Two was Fox also correct? I'm pretty correct. sure it was. Did they did they have something on the censors for that movie? Because how did they, like yeah. again until we go over that movie again? How did it get through? Well, that was a few years later, and Die Hard made a boatload of money so i'm sure they loosened up a bit where they're like hmm, loosened you know? <laughs> where it's like hmm you know <laughs> or just didn't show up to work that day there's borderline <laughs> full penetration in that movie <laughs> it's like a von yeah, trier yeah. joint <laughs> yeah, you got upside you get to see the full effects of uh, gravity on an upside down flaccid oh, yeah. penis <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> oh man that, that, De- that corpse rotates it does a full rotation <laughs> there's flaccid and there's death flaccid <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to bring back this again because this was the second time I was like, John McClane, what are you? Yes, I think we should get into this how sadistic John McClane is. That is your note. So after he shoots <laughs> the crap out of, you said Fritz and Marco? Yeah. Okay. Does he take, correct, he takes Marco's body and he throws it out <laughs> of the window into a police officer's car. Okay, so he does that, but who shoots the car? I always thought it was him that shot the car. No, no, it was not him. Yeah. Um, it, I think it was uh, the w- world's worst human being. I think it was Wilhelm, uh, mm. the, the burly German. Because some, somebody Ooh. had an... Imp- uh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he has a lot of those tones in the movie. Um, somebody had an M60 mounted out uh. of the window and it certainly wasn't john mcclain so i think they decided like the jig is up like a body has fallen on a cop car just <laughs> whatever now rules are out the window literally <laughs> plus how bad do you want to rewatch die hard right now i know I, I, that's it's, what i said i want to i'm one in the background right now. i already want to watch die hard again uh, it's fucking crazy they'll get but, mad if we're like we gotta I mean, watch die hard again <laughs> One thing to keep in mind about John McClane that you're starting to plant the seed in my head is like, <laughs> Andreas Wisniewski is probably 6'3", 6'4", and in excellent shape. Mm, yeah. John McClane had to carry him either up or down <laughs> a few flights of stairs and yeah. then sit him upright in a stool. That guy's got some serious fucking muscle, man. <laughs> Dude, we're watching this and he's like, oh, these terrible... Like, I, I know a couple of guys that have, like, unnaturally small feet. Like, I have a buddy who does... He's t- taller than me and he has a size 6 shoe. Well, it does happen. But we're watching this I'm like, this guy is about to do a shack attack on McLean. We can his, see his feet. His feet are fucking huge. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I know it does happen, but maybe just don't show his feet because <laughs> his big toe... It's fucking enormous. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. He's a big fucking guy. He's like, huge, that's, yeah. 
that's that's his entire acting career. He's yeah. hired to be the big guy. Yeah. Um, but I did think it was neat that they went the extra mile to show him attempt to put on the shoes. Yeah, yeah. That was... Just because that's actually like the secret I think to Die Hard is yeah. the detail. A little, yeah. Just how much care and love was put into the construction of the film, both from like filming and editing. Like they really somebody like had a very strong pragmatic mind and was constantly asking like what does the audience need to know from beat to beat and the shoe thing is actually it seems like an extraneous pointless detail but then when you get later into the film it's like oh that was like one of the more famous bits in the entire movie and then it's all set up by fists with your toes <laughs> in the like opening scene of the movie yeah it's great uh what, this was based off of a book, wasn't Correct. it? Correct. I watched a little thing. Uh, so originally, I think Frank Sinatra was supposed to play uh, supposed to play John McClane. It was supposed to be a little different. Um, yeah, uh, the history I'm aware of. I forget the. Uh, I can look up the novelist's name, but it's not terribly important. Uh, there was a movie in the '60s called The Detective, um, starring uh, Frank Sinatra, and it was based off of a book written by the same author book that Die Hard is based off of loosely, extremely loosely, is, is called Nothing Lasts Forever. Mm. And um, at the time, the towering inferno in like the 70s, I think the early 70s, was, you know, a, a movie with a really big cast that's about a disaster and a skyscraper. I could see how they were like, hmm, we could adapt this and do like a knockoff of the towering inferno or something. Um, but the, the whole story with Frank Sinatra is that he played the character once, like the John McClane character in The Detective, and then there was some sort of clause in his contract uh, that required him to be offered any future roles featuring that that intellectual property. Um, so when they were working on the script for this one, they're like, "Hey, uh, over seventy-year-old Frank Sinatra, uh, would you like to be in our hard-boiled action movie in the '80s?" <laughs> no, <was> baby. Like, <laughs> no, get out of here with that shit. <laughs> like. I'm an old man. I'm confused. Yeah. I'm pretty sure <laughs> Phil Hartman was already doing an old man impression of him at that point. So. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. But they they were contractually obligated to offer him the role, mm. and as soon as he declined, they started retooling the script because they're like, okay, now we don't have to worry about having a seventy year old man in this lead, in this leading role. Now we can do what we want. Um, but it's just a funny bit of trivia. I guess I was just wondering, like, I always wonder, like, okay, well, did the, was he supposed to be barefoot in the, in the book, too? I, I just wonder why that was such a big part of it, just maybe to, for his vulnerability throughout the movie? I mean, him actually being Bigfoot doesn't really come to much, except for the part where uh, Hans tells uh, Carl to shoot the glass, and yeah. then he gets yes. glass in his foot. But, I mean, other than that, it, it doesn't yeah. really hinder him. It doesn't really do anything. It doesn't, but it's it's one of those quirky little details that I appreciate so much. Um, because like I, I can't praise this movie enough for its just like construction as a film. Like regardless of like the endless quotables and you know the mm-hmm. dynamic action mm-hmm. scenes that we all know and love. Like if you really like put it under the magnifying glass, it's like fuck. Like I don't care who you are, if you have no interest in the genre but you appreciate film, you can respect this film because it's very well put together. And like what I'm talking about is fists with your toes. That's when we get introduced to the idea of, okay, you, you, you have anxiety of being on a plane. You may have jet lag or whatever. Fists with your toes when you get to, dry, when you get to you know, the ground. Wherever you know, yeah. 
and we see him actually do that and he's like holy shit it actually works and yeah. then terrorists yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he has to take off running and now we have a shoeless john mcclain um and like you said it doesn't really pay off or anything but we do get to see him try to correct that by trying to put on mm-hmm. tony's shoes mm-hmm. um but there's this really cool moment uh, when he meets hans finally face to face where every shot in that in that conversation funny enough cinematographer actually was dutch so dutch angles kind of fit it's <laughs> like 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 actual true there. dutch angles um but there's a lot of like uh visual communication going on there where of course we all know the uh like the employee list that they both reference where bill bill clay comes from where uh, hans jacks his name from um but during that conversation, we get like one shot from Hans's perspective, looking at his feet, and noting that it's like, hmm, he doesn't have shoes. That seems innocuous. But then they get to fighting, and he sees the glass breaking, and he's like, that motherfucker doesn't have shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know what would really fuck his day? <laughs> Carl, give me a hand here. Shoot Let's break some glass. The glass, yeah. Yeah. Smart. In it's German yeah. first. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it just shows. Yeah, I guess more about i guess it gives a little bit more about hans then yeah Yeah. how smart he is well yeah it just shows that they're both observant Mm -hmm. because he notes that he doesn't have shoes while mclean notes that your accent's a little suspect and the name he just gave me is on a sign like literally (laughs) right over there alan rickman cannot i mean you can change your accent you can't change your voice dude (laughs) (laughs) you're not fooling anybody dude listening to the commentary for this was really funny because the the director actually uh, john mctiernan um he has like a little bit of a harrison ford quality to him he's not a good interview he's pretty yeah yeah this is when we Set the camera up and <laughs> shot for three hours. It was a rough one. <laughs> I'll tell Riveting. You. <laughs> Get off my plane. <laughs> like, could you put a little more behind a little it? Pep in there. <laughs> like, just, you know, just a little pep. <laughs> but um, hearing him on the commentary, like, you can tell he's he has a very, like, he's really into, like, lensing and stuff that I don't know a whole lot about. He's he's into the technicals. And, Motherfucker uh, doesn't know how to film smoking. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Everybody tosses their cigarettes prematurely in this one. That's for sure. He has terrible lighting for smoking. Uh, it's a it's something that bothers me in movies and something I always notice in movies. Once upon a time in Hollywood, uh, I don't know. If, I think Tarantino might be one of the best uh, lighting for smoking. Like it's perfect in True Romance, but he definitely does it in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But yeah, that was something I noticed on my rewatch. I'm like, the, the lighting in this for the cigarettes is terrible. You can't even see him blowing smoke out. That's not cool. Well, it's also indoors, and you know, like, like there's, it's also an office, and everybody's shooting at each other. So they're probably not taking the deepest of drags. I'd imagine mm. it's just kind of like, okay, gotta go. <laughs> um, but listening to John McTiernan on the commentary, there was like two or th- I think there was exactly three instances I noted where he was like legitimately kind of upset with how things went down like one was the the ambulance uh, he and the production designer were very upset because for the most part the script is extremely tight and the film is as well but then there's an ambulance in the back of a truck with yeah. a trailer of said truck like you said fitting that many Germans in the back of it alone would be difficult but putting an ambulance in the back of it that's more than a stretch um, another I, one was John McC- uh, uh, Holly's house. 
Like, literally, mm-hmm. he just said on the commentary, I hate this house. <laughs> like, <laughs> apparently, he just didn't like, like the way it looked or something. Um, uh, and the last thing, though. Go for it. Hans, uh, Hans his uh, American accent. Mm-hmm. Apparently, that scene uh, was not planned at all. Oh, really? Until, really? They, until they could confirm that Alan Rickman could do an American voice. Like... The, the script, the original script, apparently, they didn't intend for the characters to meet, but then Alan Rickman was like convinced them somehow, I can do this, and the director fessed up and said, I don't think he did it. <laughs> like, 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 I think he did a terrible job. It's not great. No. No. no it's I, not convincing at all. Uh, I was going to uh, shift gears, and I think one of the reasons why we can make such a strong argument for this being a Christmas movie is the humor in the movie. Because uh, I was actually laughing at stuff that I hadn't laughed at before. Uh, specifically Theo. I think pretty much any time Theo's on screen, it's pretty funny. Uh, but you had something you wanted to mention. No, actually, I, I, my favorite part is the pizza. Where, he, where he's trying to... <laughs> I love it. I don't know why, but it gets me every, <laughs> every time. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> this is an emergency only. No fucking shit. Sound <laughs> like I'm trying to order a pizza? <laughs> We've talked about a pretty great line. We've talked about the Johnsons, like the Agent Johnson, Special Agent Johnson. No relation. The other one. No, 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 the other one. But no, I think I noticed that this time. I never noticed it before. But when they're with Takagi, and he's like, "I can't tell you what it is," and Theo's like, "I told you." And I never noticed Carl just like it's not over yet. And I'm like, "Oh, they're." And I'm like, what's yeah. what's happening? And then he ends up shooting him, and he gives him money. I don't know why that's so funny to me. It was just a nice little detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love the way that that was constructed because it shows confidence on the part of the filmmaker. Where it's like, I don't need to say, I don't have to have them elaborate on what's going on. Like they'll they'll put it in, and you certainly do. And it's it's morbid, but it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who's your favorite? Who's your favorite of the bad guys? Because I'll, I'll say mine's Carl. And I'm kind of upset that I've only seen him in two movies, and unfortunately he passed away. Um, but yeah, I was uh, kind of disappointed in that. Uh, actually, this is kind of weird, uh, probably really weird, but whenever we watch this, I always pictured those two as you and I. I don't know why. Because <laughs> they're brothers. I always, pictured, brothers yeah, yeah. I always pictured me as the first guy that dies, <laughs> and you as Carl, Carl, angry and trying to get revenge. I, I, I don't know revenge, why. Yeah. Yeah. So Kyle, is can you confirm that? Would if he was trying to run an electrical bypass, would you start cutting the wires premium yeah. on him? Yeah. That's probably he why. And that's had, probably why. And that's he had glasses before me, one hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> so now I understand the dynamic between you two a little bit more. Yeah. You would have that sweatsuit too. <laughs> yes, I would. We we were watching it. We're like, oh my god, this is the worst outfit ever. <laughs> I mean, it looks straight out of, like, the, the Gap or like a Uniqlo catalog or something. I was trying to explain them, like, they didn't make workout clothes like they make them now. Like, they're amazing now. Before, it was, like, it was just sweatpants. That was it. Yeah. It's like, that, this is back when, uh, I believe it was called Yogging. Yogging, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Huh. If I had to pick a favorite, it might be it might be Carl, just because he's he's the heavy for the movie. Mm-hmm. He's there until the final reel. Um, Literally. He has yeah. he has really good screen presence. He does. Alexander Gudinov is the actor. Um, I only know that because apparently he was a ballet dancer mm-hmm. and a, like a world renowned one. And my mom had a thing for him. <laughs> so, yeah, um, the, he the died Russian very ballet, young. Yeah, yeah. He he died like at forty five or something. Cirrhosis, I believe. It was it was alcohol related. It, it wasn't it wasn't good. 
Um, I kind of wish there was more. Uh, uh, Robert Davi is his name, uh, Special Agent Johnson. I think he's really funny in the movie, and I wish they had a little bit more of him. It's unfortunate yeah. he dies so quickly. Yeah, the the Johnsons are fantastic yeah. in this. Um, it like every uh, authority figure in this movie is kind of played for comedy, mm-hmm. and it's it's a kind of a ludicrous kind of comedy because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But like if you're if you're along for the ride, it's pretty great because before them. There's like an escalation that happens where the police are introduced to the story in the form of everybody's favorite Al Powell, mm-hmm. um, Reginald Vell Johnson, everybody's favorite cop dad, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, with his bag of Twinkies, um, bag bags of big time, <laughs> big time. Who is he to do? Who is he to throw yeah, stones? That dude's fat as fuck. <laughs> Jeez, he's like a, he's a bigger, foot taller, <laughs> way fatter. Yeah, what are you doing with <laughs> all these Twinkies, man? I mean, yeah, he kind of bears a little bit of a resemblance to like Randall Tex Cobb or something, but without I, the the face trauma from all the punches. Remember, remember the guy that gets the pink slip in uh, Wayne's World? No, they gave him one of these. The guy with the mustache. <laughs> it always yes. reminds me of that guy. Yes, actually, that's pretty accurate. Um, I. So we go from Powell. Um, he gets brought into the situation via a body falling on the hood of his car, and uh, we get that lovely scene where it's like, no, oh, God damn it, <laughs> no! Oh, God, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Driving backwards like a maniac, uh, just hoping for the best. Jeez, that's how um, you react to that? <laughs> apparently, the <laughs> cop. Kind of made me think of uh, Bowfinger when Eddie Murphy's running across the freeway. <laughs> like, oh, help me, Lord, help me, Lord. <laughs> but um, he calls the he calls in the cavalry, and, whatever, and then we get introduced to Dwayne. 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 <laughs> we get introduced to Dwayne, who thinks he's hot shit. Uh, he's utterly incompetent, and he's not even good on the mic. Like he's not even a telephone tough guy, as Joe Pesci would put it. No. <laughs> but. And then the FBI shows up. So we get this escalation where it goes from Powell, who's pretty level-headed, could probably do a pretty good job handling things, but he doesn't have the rank. And then Dwayne, who's just totally out of his depth. And then the FBI shows up, and they're like, we got this. (laughs) Except we don't. No, they're they're the most incompetent. (laughs) Yeah, they are. I mean, there's that, that kind of darkly comic line when they're in the helicopters at the very end, like... I figure we lose, lose about, about 25% yeah. of the hostages. I can live with that. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's where we're at, huh? Yeah. Yeah. But, and then they also casually tell Dwayne that it's like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll try to let you know when we commandeer your men. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, thanks. I appreciate that. I'm just curious if that really happens. Like, I, I get that it's a movie, but I wonder if something like that does happen where they just show up and they're like, just like Stone Cold, we're taking over. You guys are you're nothing. It's I know. I'm somewhat familiar with how court systems work, and generally, state and federal don't like don't really mess with each other. Like it's it's two separate things. So I'm not sure if that would go into law enforcement as well. I'm not sure how yeah federal like a federal agency has jurisdiction over a state agency. Yeah, I I wouldn't I know. know either way, but I do think it's fascinating that uh, some of the contemporary like reviews for this movie when it hit theaters initially um did remark on the incompetence of like the police mm-hmm. like portrayal in the film and mm-hmm. considered it a negative <laughs> um, whereas you know it's complete opposite in today's you know media climate um, yeah. where that would probably be praised or something as like a mark of like skilled satire but uh 
Ebert gave this like a two, I think. Like Dude, he, he wasn't a fan, and I mean, yeah, I, I, you've, you've told me before, you've referenced his reviews. I never put my faith in that man, not no, ever. <laughs> like even, even when he was on TV with Siskel and Ebert. Um, I, I go to them just to, if I'm on the fence about something, I'll go to his reviews because some of them I thought were I agreed with, other ones I'm like you're out of your fucking mind. But I'm like <laughs> you gave that that much, like, like some of them are just off the wall. Like I disagree with that completely. But it's a, a little bit of a reference if I'm just on the fence about watching a movie. Uh, yeah, I could see him being like, oh, this is terrible. This is a terrible action movie. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Sorry, he's well, dead. But I mean, that's that's especially shocking to me because um, one of the biggest takeaways I got from sitting down and actually listening to the director's commentary for this movie was that uh, there was a lot of emphasis on joy. Uh, that was the key word of the production was trying to find the joy in the in presenting the product or like when they're putting the script together because this movie is actually kind of amazing how they made it where it's like they had a script but they're like rewriting it every fucking day (laughs) so yeah but you know it's when you think of like a traditional action blockbuster it's like you can't do that like you know like if you're dealing with like michael bay budgets and whatnot you can't you can't just invent a new scene on the day like no it's heavily regimented it's like very very tightly scheduled well i feel like michael bay movies are like two days of uh actually filming actors and then like a year of cgi (laughs) like it's, it's a wrap wait we just got here no no it's done it we'll take it from here it's you're you're good I mean, you you double that and you pretty much got it, <laughs> honestly. But in the case of this movie, like that was actually one of the guiding forces, like of what they're trying to achieve was they yes they wanted to make a brutal action movie with a Christmas theme. But part of the reason why it has a Christmas theme is because they're trying to keep it light. They're trying yeah. to keep it fun because terrorism fun, was yeah. terrorism was written into the plot early in the script. But then they're like, hmm, you know what's know what's a problem with terrorism is that usually they're associated with you know certain ideologies or nations or whatever and that politicizes the thing and that's going to rub people the wrong way and get them you know upset it's like no let's make it a heist so instead of like wanting the bad guys dead we do want them dead we get to also have fun with them while we get to see you know them kind of get one over on the police and like actually carry their plan through and I do like when he's li- giving their list of demands and he, like the Asian Dawn. He's just like I still oh. reference that. Yeah. I named my uh, my internet after that. Like <laughs> my Wi-Fi network is called Asian Dawn. <laughs> uh, yeah, Red Mountain Time Magazine. I like how uh, Dwayne's just like you know I don't have jurisdiction to pull that off. You know, <laughs> no shit. <laughs> Maybe we should call the mayor. Uh, one of my favorite bits. Uh, <laughs> we should call the mayor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a ref- there's a repetition of that for sure. But that same scene, one, yeah. um, maybe you guys can help me out because I know Kyle. I think you know the guy's name, uh, the the guy, oh, the DWP guy or whatever. Satan in the is man- good. Satan oh, is our yeah. pal. I can't think of his name. I, I just know him from the Burbs. Yeah, he passed away. Uh, he's passed away a while ago. I can't. I can never remember his name. Unfortunately, uh, I should. I should learn it because he was. One he's of my, funny, he's yeah. one of my. Fa- I think Oliver Platt took over yes. as one of my favorite Spirit overweight. Yeah, yeah, as one of my uh, favorite overweight character actors because <clears throat> he's Sa- hilarious. Safely, safely overweight. Yeah, safely. <laughs> overweight. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry, Mr. Platt. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. 
I love you. There's there's like a certain threshold that you cross where now you're dangerously overweight. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) And your your shelf life is like literally 33 years. Like that's the cutoff, basically. I don't know, man. (laughs) I saw him in year one. Year one. He's a big boy. (laughs) He's a big guy. He's starting to grow into his head. Six (laughs) five. He's about three bills. He's a big dude. Um, but the DWP guy, I know him as the uh, the driver from Blank Check. I yes, yes. yes. Um, you guys know him from the Burbs because oh, we know him a from big hit in your household. Yeah, Blank Check, Blank Check too, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched that one. Burbs, I've only seen once, but I, I'm due for a revisit on that one. Did you revisit that recently? I revisited Blank Check. How did that go? It does. It, it does not hold up. <laughs> I don't. I'm not really sure it ever did, but <laughs> it never did. I went back and I'm like, this is. This yeah. is no. This, this is, wouldn't work. No, no, there's no way it could work. He kisses a, a grown woman on the lips at the end, <laughs> and Miguel Ferrer is way too scary to be a, a kids movie villain. <laughs> it's way too scary for that. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever cast him, it's like I love Miguel yes, Ferrer so very much. much. But whoever cast him in that role, it's like uh, you need to reconsider your options. Here. I really like um, him on Twin Peaks. He's he's fun on Twin Peaks. Yeah, he's he isn't in it enough. He is fantastic in that. But the DWP guy, whatever his name is, I just love that he's down below them, like literally. And he's like, you know, oh, I could, I could take care of it right here. You can't. <laughs> no, you can't. We have to shut down the whole grid <laughs> without telling the mayor. Uh, they probably shit their pants now, man. Yeah. Yeah, and Ode to Joy is playing while they're, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> filling bags with money. <laughs> okay. um, what's his Theo? I was gonna say he's he's a close for first, but he's ultimately second to Carl for me. But he's fucking great, and I always knew him as uh, Walker's sidekick. Yeah. He was uh, Walker's Texas Ranger. Yeah, he was a te- Texas oh, Ranger. Really? Yeah, that yeah. was him. Yeah. Okay, I didn't put that together. Cause I guess the glasses were enough to like he Clark Kended me apparently. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I still use his, and the quarterback is toast. I still use oh, that. Uh, fun fun trivia! I actually made a Magic the Gathering card of that. <laughs> Did you? Really? Yeah, <laughs> I can send it to you sometime. Please do. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. <laughs> but. Theo, Theo is fun. Um, I love that he uh, he kind of takes it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he kind of takes a backseat to most of what's going on. But yeah. we cut back to him just frequently enough that we never forget he's there. Every time he shows up, he's always useful. He always has a quip or two here and there. Even his introduction in the movie, like mm-hmm. he and yeah. Carl just kind of casually roll into the room, and he's he's the distraction. He's yeah. the guy that lets Carl get that headshot on the on the guard at the front. And the way he handles that, just, again, the joy, the mm-hmm. glee yeah, on him great. when he, he like hops over the counter and like front drop oh, kicks yeah. the dead body and stuff. Like he's he's clearly okay with this. <laughs> he's also like I think he's one of the ones that's gonna get away because he, I mean, he's the one that moves the van. Uh, he's pretty much the person they need the most. Like yeah. it all revolves around him. Yeah, um, I do like how he he like jam. I guess he's like jamming the system or whatever, and just like boom, pop. Like he just kind of kicks the thing and breaks it. I love that. No, one of my favorite interactions between him and uh, Hans is after Takagi has eaten one in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, Hans just kind of has his back to Theo, and he's like, "Now you can break the coup." <laughs> 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 it's like. Yeah, uh, I can. But no, his answer is very confident. He's like, he didn't hire me for my charming personality. It's Christmas, Theo. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I, I like that we get the showdown of the nerds at the end too. Mm-hmm. It's like Argyle, Argyle, Argyle versus Theo. <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's like the lamest punch imaginable. This is yeah, like bad. George McFly style punch. Yeah. <laughs> just, eh. <laughs> <laughs> just out like a light. Uh, we we were wondering. Uh, we were talking about this. What's the significance of the nudie of the nudie calendar? Yeah. And oh, um, that, I'm glad you asked. Oh, I thought oh. it was really cool. Um, because <laughs> what? It's <laughs> <laughs> cool of the podcast Sorry, right folks, there. There's a visual component to this. Uh, my brother and I just moved closer to the computer when he was about to talk. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so yeah, I wish y'all could see that. It was hilarious. Um, the timing was spectacular, but. Um, that's a detail I've brought up on you know previous unrelated episodes of the show and whatnot. I've always keyed in on that and thought it was really fascinating because there's so many of those fucking weird things in this movie. Um, but that one actually has significance. Oh, go ahead, Kyle. Uh, is it to give you uh, an idea of the uh, geography of where he's at? Okay. There we go. Bingo. Yeah. There we go. That's exactly what it's there for is because he passes through that room Girls, just yeah. before the shootout on the roof with Carl and, and Fabio and get the fuck back yeah. <laughs> and uh, fuck back. he ends yes. up going back through that passage and because it just looks like an anonymous construction area having that visual reminder it puts it reminds the viewer oh that's where he is hmm. he's retracing his steps because otherwise it would just look like yeah. some random corridor out of like doom or something where it's like oh have i been here before i can't tell there's no dead bodies so maybe <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> i'm looking up at my brother we're in the basement right now kind of looking up at the ventilation system right now uh so whenever he he's evading the tribe the trifecta on the rooftop at this point and he goes through the fan and he gets down the vent and he's hiding in the vent now when uh Carl just like shoots it and he's like pushing it up. Is he is he looking for the body to be sitting there? And he was like right there. Why does it why is it not a giveaway that John's right there? I think you're right. I, what I got from that is he's pressing the barrel of his his gun up against yeah. to see if it pushes back because mm-hmm. if it's hollow then it'll do that yeah. you know, a hollow vent will do. So if it had resistance, if he felt weight in there, then he'd know that the body's in there, and he'd probably pull the trigger, yeah, um, just to be sure. Um, but he doesn't quite get to the panel that he's on. Like there's a vent ahead of that that John's like pointing his gun down at him. Like so, it's it's going to be one of them's going to get shot there. But then Fabio gets a call on the radio, and uh, if I understand my German correctly, I think he said Polizei. Uh, as in police probably and that's when powell was showing up so Ah. they're like they're like cut it off we can't have any shit going on right now we got to be chill until we're absolutely certain uh that makes that makes sense yeah (laughs) (laughs) the more you know (laughs) (laughs) i kind of like yeah we're really chris farley showing this one which is totally fine but that's uh, fine yeah Yeah. i like carl's uh i like him getting his bag i don't know why i think his gun is kind of the one of the cooler parts yeah he just he just he (laughs) he turns around his bag is in his hand like they just toss the bag and then he's like you know assembling it yeah when when he springs into action alexander goodenough he doesn't have to speak very much he has excellent screen presence he just has those he has those cheeks yeah He's got the stature. He's got the hair. Like he, he just works as that kind of physical presence in the room. And yeah, the way he springs into action, they just like toss him his bag, and he's already halfway mm-hmm. out the door and stuff. Um, like Nick had said, it's it's a Steyr AUG AUG. It's a 
it like it was specifically selected because it was like a, a brand new fucking gun of its of its day like which you know kind of rare in movies and Did you, looks like nick has something to contribute yeah. Yeah, i was gonna say that was something i was gonna say is the guns in this movie are the honestly this movie and lethal weapon were the reason i always wanted a beretta and i don't know why and also the mp5 i don't i mean i guess playing video games helps because it's like oh i know these guns from this movie but yeah ever since i watched this lethal weapon i'm like i need that pistol. <laughs> I, I, need, I need that gaudy Italian shit. Did you want, did you want the Jerry Seinfeld uh, mullet too that yes. Mel Gibson had? I'll take it. <laughs> if it gets me the gun, I'll take it. Oh. <laughs> no, uh, the Beretta, the M92F, was super in vogue in the late 80s and early 90s. Like, not only this movie, John McClane, of course, his pistol was one of those, uh, Lethal Weapon. Martin Riggs, Martin mm-hmm. Riggs, uh, same deal. And, yeah, uh, of course, John Riggs. Woo, that was, like, his go-to. Like, every John Woo movie had people dual-wielding those things. Yeah, um, More than likely because they had, you know, big magazines, so you could go, like, for every take or whatever. I want to see the hip bruises on people after a John Woo movie. Like, if they were real people doing this, not just, like, jumping onto pads. Like, fuck, dude, that would hurt. Someone's going to break a hip. I'm, I'm sure Chow Yun-Fat has two metallic hips by this point. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll come back to this when we eventually do a Lethal Weapon Masterclass. I feel like oh. that's that's probably going to be something. It's got to happen. Yeah. I love those movies too much. I think but, they're all good. That's very rare for a four-film yeah, franchise. Yeah. That's extraordinarily rare. Man, Fuck Jet Li. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, we, we, we've seen the hell out of those movies for sure. Oh, dude. <laughs> Fucking, you weren't there. I'm so glad we're here. I sent you a text about this, but... Uh, this was so cool. So we're sitting at coffee with my grandmother and my mom uh, yesterday, and they're talking about something that people where people get screwed over. And my grandmother just says, "They fuck you in the drive-through." And I was like, "Did you just say they fuck you in the drive-through?" Like, I'm like, "Did you just drop a lethal weapon two quote?" I did that not, was two. I did not hear her say that. Oh, I was you, disappointed. You weren't there. Yeah. Oh, I was. Oh man. I had to. T- I'm like, I have to text Trevor right now. <laughs> Well, Nick, Nick, just bring up cell phones next time you see her and see if see if it happens again. They fuck you. That's they what I said. You, they fuck you with the cell phone. They fuck you in the hospital. First they drug you, then they fuck you. But my question was. Anyway, yeah, yeah. What? Your question? What? In, in Lethal Weapon One, when Riggs is over there for his first dinner and they're offering him dessert, what the fuck is she giving them? As a uh, his the sis, the daughter gives him like some kind of frozen. It's huge. It looks like a uh, like an individual like pie, but I don't know what the hell it was. She says, "Do you want a tart or whatever?" I, I don't know. Yeah, if it... that, that escapes me. That's that's a detail. Unfortunately, I don't have it in my command right now. We'll put a pin in that uh, until yeah, we actually absolutely. get we'll, to that. We'll have to we'll, we'll have to solve that. that mystery when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the the guns in this movie. It does need to be said that a lot of attention to detail was put in the selection. Of, of the firearms used in this movie. Um, and the idea was, like I said, in the casting of the German terrorists, like we want them to look sleek and like fashion models. We want them to look kind of absurdly handsome and out of place. Um, and that also translates to the weapons they're carrying, where it's like these aren't ordinary guns that you see on TV every day. These are like top of the line shit that when it comes to like military tech and stuff, like movies are usually several years behind 
So like first time we saw like a was it FNP ninety or whatever it was like in the two thousands or something, and it that had already existed for some time in the military, but it doesn't find its way to the movie industry until a little bit later. Can we go back to John McClane might be a psychopath? <laughs> um, the you just like the high tech stuff, the C four. So when he so when they hook up that bazooka or whatever they've got <laughs> missile launcher yeah, yeah I see him uh, <laughs> doing that Baxa 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 <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> we've seen this movie before uh, he puts the uh, he's just like fuck it he he puts the C four onto the chair wraps it in a computer which I was like what what's that gonna do um, I guess it was supposed to like like help it ignite yeah. Uh, how did he think that that was going to be like this is going to just solve this problem how did he not think that that completely mess up the entire building and possibly <laughs> cause serious structural damage and not maybe even hurt people on the 30th floor like i don't understand I mean, it's my understanding i i'm not an expert but my limited understanding of how this shit works is in real life i think the c4 would actually still be inert without a charge put into it that's what i was thinking so it, it wouldn't actually go off. It would just yeah. make a loud crash. <laughs> and then, Ooh, what was that? <laughs> yeah. Keep going. That's a five thousand dollar computer you just dropped. <laughs> no joke, man. Seriously, <laughs> like the yeah, so the computers they wrecked in this movie were probably extraordinarily expensive. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean they they still had like film turning over, like like the kind you'd find in a cassette player or something. So we're talking that kind of computer. But yeah, I, I guess he just figured it was just the right amount. But I, again, uh, attention to detail and characterization. I love that when the explosion goes off, his reaction is, shit. oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and nope. he almost kills himself because he didn't expect it to be that big. You know, we haven't even touched on him yet, and I'm surprised. Uh, I think this movie has like a, like a, just a delicious assortment of character actors. We forgot about Dickless. <laughs> William Atherton? Yeah. <laughs> Who? This man has no dick. Yeah. Why can't I true. not place him? This man has Richard no Thorne, uh, the, the reporter. Oh, yeah, because he's in Die Hard 2, and I, I really like him in Die Hard 2. Yeah. Even more so, I think. I think well, he's, he's better in Die Hard 2. Of course, the two flight attendants are like getting on to him. Like, of course, he would be the guy on the airplane yes. that's like, Shit, sit down. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because he he doesn't have a whole lot of screen time in this. Um, obviously, he's probably going to be most well known to audiences from Ghostbusters yeah. as Dickless. Yes, this man um, has no dick. But he's equally good in this movie in a very similar role. Um, yes. But I like that we're, like, we're introduced to him and he's like trying to con some woman into going to dinner with him. <laughs> so you can already from yeah. minute one, you can from frame one, you can tell he's he has no dick and he's kind of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> But he's listening on the police scanner, so he hears uh, what happened to Powell and whatnot. He hears like, "Ah, oh, goddamn it! No, goddamn it! No!" He hears that, and he's like, "Ooh, I, I figured it over there." So, I was that the same audio, or did they put uh, Reginald Bell Johnson in a recording booth and have him do the same thing over again? It sounded pretty clean, so I think they had him do it again. I think they just took out. <laughs> I was just say, if they did, they just took out the pause real quick. Yeah, it, it sounded very clean. I didn't hear any like noises of cars or, or squibs going off on the car and stuff. So yeah, maybe he had to go into the booth and repeat the now goddamn it now speech. <laughs> so it well. like, put that on my reel. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but 
Yeah, William Atherton in this. Uh, I one of my favorite lines he has. It'll probably be my favorite line easily is "Eat it, Harvey." Eat it, Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> and he messes up the broadcast up. too. <laughs> yeah, he like gets up out of his chair. They're like, "We're live." And he's like, "Hello." Hello. <laughs> Didn't see you over there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he uh, he's a disruptive element in this movie. But um, it just uh, actually calls to mind the the way all the new characters are introduced to us it's so beautiful in this movie how there's some sort of logical explanation for why the cast keeps expanding because like i said he isn't on screen he's not an element in the story until powell gets his car shot up and he hears it and then the media gets involved and then once the media is involved the rest of the police get involved and it just keeps growing and it gets into this you know ludicrous territory where it's like okay everybody's here where's the national guard where's godzilla <laughs> 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 but, but with william atherton like I, I like that he he gets brought into things and he's this disruptive element that we're not really sure why he's there for mm-hmm. most of the time other than he's a dick and he's kind of entertaining <laughs> because of it um but then there's that bit where he he locates uh, john mcclain yeah Holly's family, the kids and the, the maid and whatnot, and he ends up triggering like one of the most dramatic beats at the very end of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, where it's finally where Hans finally gets the final bit of information that he needs to piece together. Oh, that son of a bitch that killed uh, Carl's brother, uh, and probably Carl too, uh, is the husband of that gal that I was eyeing earlier in the movie. And yes, I did notice that. <laughs> I love that actually, where they take Takagi away, and as soon as like they take him away, like he pauses for a minute, and he's like, he gives her the up down, yeah, yeah, he gives her an up down. He's like, hey, not to be crude, I, I noticed this uh, last night we were watching it. Uh, she's got a little bit of cleavage showing uh, when she gets kidnapped. I didn't, I oh, never yeah. noticed that. Yeah, in the final like, act oh. of the movie, she's she's kind of fallen out a little bit. <laughs> Miss Gennaro? is it Miss Gennaro? Oh, Mrs. McClane? Okay, okay, I'll go. <laughs> I'm with but, you. Yeah, that, that's like a, a theme in how the movie's kind of structured. It's really masterfully put together. Almost every character, like, we get enough time with so many of the core members of the cast that it feels like they're movie from time to time, but everybody's, like, missing a little bit of information. Like, things are withheld or misunderstood, and it's not until, like, the climax where, like, all that gets thrown out the window and it's like, okay, there's no more lies, no more deception. Everybody knows everything now, so we can just do all yeah. action for the last half hour. You would, I, I'm sorry, the, the picture frame being set down and he kind of looks back at it and doesn't flip it up, I don't, if I noticed the picture frame down, I would pick it up immediately. Like, I would have to see, like, why is this face down? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you, you are a curious man. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? What yeah, is you, this? What is that? You, you know, you, you see something, you, you, you just gotta touch they it. Gotta you gotta touch it. With she's, it. Gotta, <laughs> she's gotta... Why would he think... You, 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 just, you just gotta get in there. Why you gotta do that? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't get why he would think those two would be connected. He's watching the news... And he audi- just like automatically is like, "Oh, this must be this." He sees uh, he sees her glued to the TV. Like, what the fuck? Like, he, oh, he she tell. was looking at the TV. Yeah, there, okay. There's a few things working at once. He does have to, he does have to like hop over a little bit of a hurdle. Like, <laughs> he does have to make a little bit of a leap in logic. But there's a couple of things at work. First is what Kyle was saying that you know he already kind of has eyes for her. So obviously he's looking into a crowd. He's going to look at the lady with you know yeah. the cleavage showing, observant, with the, smart, with, yeah. with the big hair. Um, and the other element is that uh, Lucy McLean, the daughter, um, 
basically it makes it known that uh, John McClane has a significant person in the building. Whereas when he met when he met John earlier face to face and he was pretending to be you know an executive or whatever, uh, John told him I got invited by accident. Ah. Uh. And he basically was covering for his wife being like oh i don't know anyone at the party so he was trying to say like none of the hostages you have are worth anything to me so like there's no one you can pull apart from the crowd and like scare me um but then lucy's like oh both of my parents are in the building and he's like hmm. somebody in this crowd of people belong is like with him it's probably the lady that's going all bug-eyed looking at the tv right yeah. now. <laughs> at, that, at that point couldn't he have just said alice wasn't alice dead at that point alice was dead because next alice day was kid dead died. And John swore up and down, I don't know this piece of shit. I don't, like, I don't want to know this piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, th- at that point, this is where this is where get him to the roof. Once he he realizes, Just go to the roof, go to the roof. <laughs> yeah. It's actually like one of my favorite sequences in like all the movies. Honestly, like there's a there's a piece of music on the soundtrack. The composer's. Uh, Michael Kamen. I did. I only just learned how to say that. I've been saying Cam my whole yeah. life. But it's a Kamen. Um, he also did Lethal Weapon. Um, mm. he had Sax the Man franchise. Uh, <laughs> well, the the thing like the gimmick with the early Lethal Weapons was um, I th- maybe the whole franchise was Eric Clapton uh, provided the guitar work on the soundtrack for the mm. Lethal Weapon movies. Um, and then they actually those movies are very musical. Like they had I think uh, Elton John and one of the Beatles and Sting, mm. like across the entire franchise they all contributed songs to it no at kidding. one time or another I think yeah. I remember Sting doing a song I think it was the beginning of the third one mm. the, the fire and stuff <laughs> um, but anyway uh, Michael came and did the score for this one uh, fantastic composer passed away a while ago kind of sucks but, um, uh, the piece of music that plays um, from I think it's when Carl catches John like looking for the bombs on the roof so mm-hmm. basically, when he and Carl start throwing down uh, through the roof explosion, that entire like seven, eight minutes of movie, mm-hmm. like everything, everything in that is just like you look up the word climax in film terms. That's climax, yeah. yeah. That that's yeah. a film climax. That's how a movie climaxes. Like that's I have what to it agree. looks like. Yeah, it's spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do like all of the the. The back and forth between Carl and John during that scene. Uh, my favorite line of the movie. You should have heard your brother squeal. Oh, I was going to say, I thought you were going to say that. Cook him. Fucking No, but he's like, I'm going to cook you. I'm going to eat you. Motherfucker, I'll kill you. I like that because it feel, it kind of feels, at first it doesn't feel real. It's just like Lethal Weapon 2, just you know, rigs getting kicked. But once it gets into full gear, it feels like I'm going to, I'm gonna get my yeah, hands inside it, your it face. It feels and like rip the flash. It kind of like yeah. I don't. I'm going yeah. to it kill feels, you. It feels like you know, two dads at Little League. Where <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 it feels. It honestly, it, it brings to mind uh, Ralphie in a Christmas story. Oh yeah, it's a like bit. just whatever, whatever comes out, comes out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it makes sense or even if it's a valid threat. <laughs> like yeah. it's just you know words come to the surface sometimes. Well, Is that even a threat? Get out. <laughs> just like yeah. the clumsiness. It's it's like Saving Private Ryan, where it's just like we're we're just going to try to kill each other. Like we have no technique whatsoever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of neat, and they you know try to make it seem like Carl has some technique but mm-hmm. john is countering it with crazy yeah and that, that's something i learned from from hey arnold on nickelodeon is that the 
the only true counter to brute strength is crazy. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you, it doesn't matter how strong you are, you don't want to catch crazy. And there's just some people you don't want to touch even if even to hit them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and John McClane is that. <laughs> He's not he stable. Pitbull. But John, it's interesting. Like, we haven't really talked too much about McClane as a character. Mm. But um, I noticed, uh, I don't know if mm. this is real or not, but uh, he has a big old scar near his near his hmm. armpit like almost down to his bicep i never noticed that yeah inside uh it's when he's a. Uh, I noticed it from the beginning of the movie basically when he's in a uh, holly's office and he's in the wife beater mm-hmm. uh making like just before making fists was it with with his toes with his toes <laughs> um you notice this like big red streak running down like his shoulder hmm. it's like um, maybe that was makeup maybe that maybe bruce willis actually has that scar um but in terms of like communicating character it's like okay he's he's probably been stabbed or had somebody tried to stab him yeah like it sh- it shows that he has a past and then he also has a tattoo that kyle maybe you have better eyes than i do i didn't i couldn't make out what it was i didn't catch it i i at least i didn't commit it to memory i don't remember exactly what it was Okay. It's probably a shitty Bruce Willis tattoo. <laughs> it might it might just be his tattoo. Yeah. It's like it's like square in the center of his arm. It's probably and a Bruce Willis tattoo. Yeah, it looked like a I, I barely noticed it. Like I saw it in the stairwell after he fell on Tony, but it looked like a skull wearing a top hat or something. It's not a special <laughs> forces tattoo, I can tell you that. No, much. no, it's it's not a Gary Busey tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> he was painted. <laughs> But you guys have anything to say about John, like John McClane? Uh, actually, I was actually thinking about this just because I'm married. But just the whole logistics of his wife and the kids mm-hmm. out in LA, him staying in New York. I mean, as a dad, I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> like, just what was going on? Was it just both, just st- stubbornness on both parts, where neither one of them wanted to? I just, I don't know, I found that kind of interesting. I think we learned this when he's talking to Argyle in the beginning. He kind of talks about it a little bit. He says that his uh, his wife got offered a dream job, and he didn't really want to, or maybe he's talking to Powell. I'm not really sure who he's talking to. Oh, that's Argyle. Was it Argyle? So he got offered a dream job, and he's like, I've got like a backlog of, like I still have yeah. a lot of work to do in New York, so I just couldn't come with her, and I guess she couldn't understand that. And he didn't, I don't think he really wanted to come to Los Angeles. But she you know, is obviously going to be making way better money than him, so she's taking the kids over there. <clears throat> and they're kind of separated at this point, but it seems like they're working on the marriage. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's an interesting topic, because um, in more recent years, this, this and uh, Powell's story seem to have caught some flack. Or at the time, it was like, you know, you don't think twice about it. But now, like, you know, we have bunch of millennials that need to get some clicks on on what is it crackle.com or cracked.com or whatever new fan whatever yeah (laughs) 10 things you didn't notice about (laughs) that that kind of bullshit oh my god Um, read something (laughs) (laughs) study watching the same shit over and over and over again do something constructive (laughs) (laughs) okay boomer But, but um anyway i yeah, Holly's story. Like Holly, unfortunately, doesn't have much of a story in this movie, and that's one thing. Again, contemporary audiences probably take umbrage with, because she doesn't have a whole lot to do. Like I'll be the first to admit it, but I don't think it it's a detriment to the film. Part of that is me being a young dude, 
and you know, being charge. raised on yeah. this movie. She becomes the leader. She gets a couch. Yeah, she, 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 she does couch. step up, but in terms of like screen time and actual contributions yes. to yes. the events, yeah, she's yes. she's definitely portrayed yes. as a strong character, but in terms of actions taken Actually, in the story, yeah. very little. But, she gets about as much screen time as, uh, what's-his-face, Theo. Argyle. Yeah, but Theo, like you said, the whole heist doesn't work without yeah, him. <laughs> he, yeah. He's essential. Yeah. Whereas she's, like, literally there to be saved. Yeah. Anyway, I cut you um, off. Go ahead. But the, like, there's just a discussion going on among more contemporary audiences that, like, take issue with the fact that it's, like, it kind of feels like there's there's... There's a general understanding that, like, returning to, like, a baseline for this family would involve her kind of, like, acquiescing to what he wants. No. Um, I don't I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. I think she's probably in the right. And yeah. I, it's not like you can ask her to say no to, you know, presumably a shit ton of money and, you know, a, th- a nice, safe place to live for her family and whatnot. Uh, she got a Rolex. They don't just hand those out. Well, <laughs> and, and that was something else. Spoilers. Uh, Die Hard 2, I feel like the relationship is actually... Mended, yeah, and then after that, no, it's gone. It's well, not. It's like it's gone. Well, I believe that part of that is that the third movie is not. It was not a Die Hard movie originally, oh, and it became like they turned it into a Die Hard movie. So it was like, do we keep it as it is, or do we write her in somehow? Mm-hmm. And I think at that point we're just like, eh, too far in, too don't care, whatever. and they'd be divorced at this point. I believe. <laughs> yeah, no, and and franchises weren't curated as strictly as they are today like things weren't put under the magnifying glass as much as they are today so like if you just treat die hard as like not a franchise but just a film like the ending of this one suggests that yes they do get back together right yeah things are probably going to be okay um but then you get into the later sequels and two it's like yeah, it's still pretty good. And then three, it's like, oh my god, what happened? What happened between two and three? Yeah. It's like he is a wreck. He is off <laughs> the wagon. Gone. Yeah, well, he's just fucked up. In his defense, he was on was he vac- on vacation or was he on suspended? I think he's suspended. Suspended. I think he's suspended. <laughs> <laughs> so he's out like fuck. I'm suspended. I'm getting hammered drunk tonight. And then they're like, you got to come back. There's a bomb threat. You got to. They need you. You got to wear this sign. I'm like, huh? I want to throw up. He says what? Yeah, I'm not wearing that. I feel for that man. He was trying to mend that headache the entire film. I would, I would say no, no, no. You guys have to figure this out. I'm not wearing that sign. I mean, he didn't get those aspirin until the last reel of the movie. He didn't even take him. He didn't even take him. Yeah, he didn't even get to take him. He dropped the bottle and ran. What if he shit his pants? He had to shit his pants. No wonder Zeus was so mad at him. Not from not this man shit his pants. (laughs) <laughs> in the Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> he shit in the Mercedes. He shit in the Mercedes. Uh, I'm just here in the park and he shit his pants. <laughs> Gross. Uh, uh, but anyway, um yeah, her her role in Die Hard One is, is fairly limited and the, the symbolism of the, the Rolex watch seems to get people get get them, you know, hot and bothered. Uh, just because it's it's mostly just the way the film concludes uh, it's like okay Hans is going out the window he's got her by the wrist uh, and John has to jump in there and take the watch off for her and stuff it, se- it seems like a moment where you know if this movie was shot today she would do that on her own 
Dude, um, more than likely it would actually be a. I think it would be a buddy action movie. Honestly, it would if be I like was a, being pulled out of a window, I would probably be freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Help! Help! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like in in just like pure symbolism terms, yeah, it's like yeah. okay, the the totem that connects her to this job and this lifestyle. Um, is being removed by the per- by the foreign element mm-hmm. who arrived in town to extricate her from the workplace and stuff. So, so it's like it's like him taking the watch off and whispering into her ear, <laughs> "Get back in the kitchen." <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I want to th- I want to circle back to Ellis real quick. Now is Yo. is he? This is uh, interesting because now is he trying to throw her? Uh, is he trying to throw a bone in her, or is he? Because he's like, show him the Rolex. Is he trying to bang her, or is he legit like kind of, uh, like kind of standing up for? Because I think he's kind of somewhat. He doesn't seem like the kind of dude that's going to try to tackle a chick with two kids. He looks like he's doing fine. Like I, I think he's okay. So I, go ahead. I was just to say I saw him doing cocaine in her office as a way of, <laughs> of him getting fired up. Uh huh. To be like, hey, it's Christmas. That that's what yeah. I saw. I don't know. Hey babe, so, you ever I heard of a trouser get... snake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're telling me his idea of getting ready to bang is I need to take some drugs that will guarantee me being flaccid by the time it's ready to go. <laughs> I haven't uh, looked into the. He uh, don't think he did a ton of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was an adequate was amount. Pow- powder courage. <laughs> Well, I'm sure he knows. I'm sure he knows the ratio. There's a yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's inti- intimately familiar with the ratios. See, because he's kind of doing, uh, he's kind of doing like a, like a big dick move. Like she knows that his that's this is her husband. Mm-hmm. He's just like he's yeah. kind of standing up for her a little bit. I don't think it, it it might be a bang move, but it's also kind of like, dude, fuck you. Like she's supposed to be. Do you here. see him as a stand up guy though? I I interpret it as a bang move because before that, um, when the credits are still rolling and the cameras still, we still only have a view of the back of her giant hairdo. Uh huh. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah, he's doing like the walking backwards. Yeah, he's walking backwards and and he's like talking about busting out a bottle of wine and sitting by a fire and it's like, yeah, pretty sure he wants he wants to get with that bold move. like talking shit to your, uh, I guess, coworker's husband. Like that was a, he was bold. I, I have to hand it, hand it to him. It's cocaine. Well, yeah. and also, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a false sense it's of security cocaine. and uh, confidence. Yeah, I talk shit but, to a cop. <laughs> well, I love that uh, Takagi walks into the room and he's like, "This is this is Holly's husband, the policeman." The policeman. Oh, I never, I never. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. like, and you missed some. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty great. (laughs) Ellis is wonderful. Like he has very little screen time in this movie, but it's such a memorable performance. Yeah, very memorable. Hans, booby, (laughs) I'm your white knight. (laughs) He is great. And then I love the the Sprechensy talk. (laughs) It's like, excuse me, is that your German? I do like Carl's. Just like, can I fucking shoot it? (laughs) He just walks in. Carl's just kind of reaches. Yeah, he like he like motions for it, and Hans. I'll shoot him. Hans is a like Alan Rickman's interaction with him, like however brief, is spectacular. He's he's, like he comes in, he's like comes in with a bluster, like I've got this all figured out. (laughs) 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 And Hans is like, "You're very perceptive." (laughs) (laughs) He's he's like he's laying the sarcasm on extremely thick, but Ellis is totally oblivious. I do like how you don't really get to see like. 
the bad guys plan unravel. Like in the second one, nothing goes bad until they all just die. In uh, mm. this one, that's what they, I hate about that movie. Uh, and this, you way. actually see like Alan Rickman like kind of panicking. Like they're like, "Oh, it's not. We're not quite foiled, but this is this is go time, and it, it's kind of falling apart around him." Yeah, um, that's again, a, a, I think, a really credit to the director. Where, like I said, joy was what they're trying to maintain here. We're trying to make a joyous experience out of you know many many people getting shot in the yes. kneecaps, <laughs> and part of that is allowing the heist to actually you yeah. know, come to fruition. Like actually getting that vault open and having that wonderful moment when Ode to Joy plays, and you actually like you're excited for them. Where it's like they're bad people, they're doing bad things. But God damn it, they've been working for the past 90 minutes to make this thing happen, and we're kind of excited for them that they actually pulled it off. I like a good and, heist movie, but yeah. yeah, they don't actually get to pull it off. I think it's science at this point that just people, like we as a species, like heists. We like a heist, yeah. Like every country around the world that produces films makes heist movies, and they always clean up at the box office. We got two of those fucking magician movies. Yeah, there's two <laughs> magicians. We got two of those. Uh, what's it, what, what is it? What's it called? The the magician movies. What is it? Uh, Catch me. No. Uh, but now you see me. Yeah. There's two of those fucking movies. I hate them. <laughs> I hate them. <laughs> I, that's why I didn't watch them. I I don't know what it is, but I hate them. I'm like, this is not. This is good. Not okay. <laughs> was that a was that a uh, they the parents rented it and you were just in the house. I don't at the remember. Time? Uh, yeah, I have no idea. My wife. My wife likes it. And I said that you are oh. wrong. <laughs> this is not good. You are wrong. This is an abomination. Yeah, Morgan oh Freeman. There's another one. <laughs> contemporary Morgan Freeman. Pretty much after the Dark Knight Rises, uh, that was he got put on the Fast and the Furious poster. At that point, it's like if Morgan Freeman's in the movie, you can probably skip mm-hmm. it. I mean, he he had some dark times, you know, in the late 2010s and whatnot like i think he did a movie about a dolphin with a prosthetic fin oh my um, god only thing i remember about the marketing was morgan freeman wearing a goofy hat saying swim <laughs> <laughs> i did not see that <laughs> oh my goodness and then of course he did like a bucket list movie or so- something it's called people, the bucket. Jack, i remember that jack nicholson yeah, yeah, some know. people of advanced age yep. you know in hollywood generally get just know, money ushered off to pasture or whatever unless they're Meryl Streep and they do musicals I think Michael Caine's <laughs> in another fucking movie I think he's old as fuck <laughs> I know he's in Tenet he's a Christopher Nolan's lucky charm Tenet so there it is as, as long as Christopher Nolan is working Mike, Michael Caine will uh, have a job I, I watched the uh, uh, um, oh, pitch meeting I watched the pitch meeting for Tenet because I'm not going to watch it uh, but well, the, you're just flatly I just not don't, going to watch it I just don't care uh, why? Why would you do that though? Why would you put your foot down and be that guy? I just don't. It. It. it Bruce. Uh, Bruce Nolan. Christopher <laughs> Nolan. Every, I don't know. I why don't you, know. I don't know where that comes from. I don't Kyle. know. It's he just lost his luster though. to me. Oh. I. I watched Dunkirk and I was just like, eh. I think I'm done. Like it was fine, but I'm just like, I don't give a shit anymore. Sorry. I really liked Dunkirk. Actually. It was fine. Don't get me wrong. I d- didn't dislike it, but I'm just like. Did you did you I, see Tenet? I, I haven't seen. I haven't it. seen it. I've heard it was kind of like meh. Yeah, that that's yeah. the other thing. Is I'm like, if it, if it it's not like what was the Inception where it was like, dude, you gotta see Inception. It's awesome. And it was a lot of fun. 
But everybody's watching Taylor like, it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> everyone, that's what everyone's like, too far! The actors didn't know what the hell was going on. Everybody that's seen it's like, what the, What is going on? And then the dude's uh, the, the dude's review of it is like, yeah, it makes no sense whatsoever. I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's what I, and I don't get. Okay. I guess none of us have seen it then. Yeah. I, I do plan on watching it. I'm not going to pay good money to watch it, but I'll watch it. <laughs> Um, if only smart. for Elizabeth Debicki, because that works for me. <laughs> but um, but I I don't know. I I think it's weird to put your foot down and just say no. Like, it's not, not no. Not gonna watch it. It's I don't give a shit. That's that's what. It's okay, that's I, fine. I'm, that's fine. Maybe the no was too stern. It's just I don't care. Okay, that's better. I like. That Glad better. we hashed that out. Guys. Same with the gentleman. <laughs> it's just like I don't I don't care now. Sorry, uh, got uh, guy Richie. You've 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 burned me too many times. Mm-hmm. That'll happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm looking at Nick's notes really quick. This the movie. Die Hard. We're supposed to be talking about. Okay. Yeah. This is what happens. So yeah, he's just like we should get back on track to what we were talking about. I'm like, yeah, this is what happens. We we get off on a. No, I know. Yeah. We get off on a tangent. So Nick, where where are we at with Die Hard? I am curious. This is not Die Hard One, but hmm. the sequels. We did watch the second one the other night. Well, I mean, I've seen all. I have all of yeah. them. I like Die Hard 1. I even like Die Hard 2. Die Hard 3, maybe a little bit more. Yeah. Die Hard 4 is different, but I gotta say, I still actually enjoyed it. I've heard that before. I've heard that uh, they're not, you kind of have to think of them not attached to the first three. They're just different, but they're not. I've heard the fourth one is not horrible. I haven't seen it, and I don't plan on watching it, but I don't know. Trevor, have you seen the fourth one? Yeah, I. I... I got the Nakatomi Tower box set. I got all five of them. Uh, although can, that fifth disc can, you know, go right out the window. Can oh you boy. just move oh, your your noggin real you want, quick to show them? You want, you want to see it? Can you see the tower right, right there. It's back there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's in there. That's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I've seen yeah. it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, my thoughts on the whole franchise would be one is a masterpiece. Um, it's what many, many, many other action movies aspire to be, and uh, sadly fall very short, <laughs> extraordinarily short sometimes. I mean, it inspired an entire subgenre of film unto itself. Uh, if you say the phrase "die hard" in a uh, Kyle, do you think Under Siege? Yeah. Uh, you don't have to answer that. I know. Yes. <laughs> and then, of course, you have other things related to that, like sudden death, die hard in a hockey rink, and like that's true. Yeah. Basically, it's an isolated yeah, yeah, action that's movie. True. It is kind of like the standard. Here, yeah, it it is a subgenre of action film. Yeah. It's basically a, an isolated action movie, typically involving a, I don't know, ordinary or appearing ordinary person fight, facing extraordinary odds, um, and then it usually has explosions at the end. <laughs> but um, if you can do that, if you can inspire an entire subgenre of film, you've made your stamp. You, you could actually end the whole thing right there. You wouldn't even need to make a franchise. You already made your contribution. Uh, two is not great. It's a uh, very average, to be honest. Yeah. Um, some of the like the miniature effects are kind of fun. Um, a sitting duck, seeing mm-hmm. uh, seeing Robert Patrick as a painter, uh, that was kind of fun. You know, just a you know random goon before T one thousand or whatever. But um, on the whole, it's like it's very sloppily structured. Um, the action scenes. Um, Rennie Harlan has this problem as an action director, I notice, where he, he seems to favor novelty over um, engagement. So, like, the way he puts his action scenes together, he likes to do 
funky things, like unique things. Like, hey, let's have a snowmobile chase in a Die Hard <laughs> yeah. movie. Because oh how God, many times do you see snowmobile chase? chase? I forgot about that. Yes, there is. That that's a thing that happened in that movie. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, the let's have let's have a, a fist fight between um, Mr. McDowell from Coming yeah. to America <laughs> on the side of a of a moving plane. That's you know, that's unique. That's cool better on paper than in actual execution um and same with like the way the gunfights are done with like robert patrick and stuff like i think bruce willis is doing some john woo-esque like rolls and like dives and stuff mm-hmm. it's like that's not john mcclane john mcclane sprays and prays and you know makes it out in the end by the skin of his teeth he yeah. doesn't have a plan generally <laughs> like there's no technique he just goes nuts and hopes for the best <laughs> i'm also calling bullshit on him picking up on something strange happening in that movie yeah agreed because uh, he's just like, huh, there's just two dudes over there. Package? What? Oh. Uh, yeah. Fishy going for real. On. Yeah. Yeah, at a busy airport. <laughs> His cop sense is that powerful. <laughs> he's a just like, busy huh. Christmas yeah. airport. He's like, hmm, those guys in baggage claim look, look suspicious. I should go beat their asses and kill them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, turns out they didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> End movie. But it's it's okay. It's not bad. It's just kind of like fine. Mm-hmm. And then th- three, I legitimately like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's so radically different from all the other ones that it, yeah, it's yeah. kind of it feels out of place, but it's still awesome. Like the the writing's tight, the performances are, ex- are excellent. Jeremy Irons, yeah, I, I wish there was yeah. a few. I wish there was a larger body count. Um, but like you know the riddles and like the the citywide game of cat and mouse is. It's engaging, for sure. It's on location as fuck, uh, which is always fun. And it, yeah. it, it feels like a John Mc, like he feels like John McClane in that movie. Like, that's the other yeah. thing. And they brought back John McTiernan for that one. Um, so the attention to detail is certainly part of his, his oeuvre, as the nerds would say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they brought back the guy who did the first one, and it worked. And then you get to the fourth one, and it's like Len Wiseman, a.k.a. the Underworld guy. Yeah. Oh, Nick, you like Underworld? I'm that guy. I like Underworld. I, I, all, all of the Underworld? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no, not all. No, 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 no. It's okay, all about Resident Evil. Like, like, all the fucking Resident Evil movies. I'm like, well, which ones are you talking about exactly? Because the first and last one are great. Everything in between, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, Len Wiseman typically apparently exclusively makes movies for his wife mm-hmm. uh, yes. <laughs> like underworld basically <laughs> um and actually i i'm in the camp like like you nick i actually kind of like live for your die hard yeah like i i don't mind it it it's definitely apart from the rest like kind of like the third one like it does feel like a totally different beast um some of the things john mcclain does in it are questionable where it's like he how is it he's 20 years older but more physically capable than ever. <laughs> like, yes. um, it's it's a little, you know, there's some flights of fancy. It gets a little out of control, but... I think I like the dynamic, like the, yeah. Yeah, from, like, just, like, a popcorn entertainment standpoint, though, like, the set pieces are fun. They do some cool stuff. Um, we get some parkour in there. <laughs> it's well done. Kevin and uh, if you watch the there. R-rated cut of the movie, it feels more consistent with the other ones, where he, oh, he does actually get to drop some F-bombs, and they unfortunately have like digital squibs so it's a little bit of a letdown Man. there but at least they're there was that a kevin smith script or is he just a writer like just a part of it 
You know, I actually haven't looked into what his actual contribution to it was because obviously he has a cameo in there and uh, mm -hmm. obviously it led to them working together on Cop Out and uh, apparently having a lifelong feud with each other forevermore. <laughs> but um, I don't know if he wrote anything on it. Maybe he contributed some elements to the script or something. I wouldn't be surprised if he like uh, just riffed all of his lines because um, that character is basically just Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it's actually kind of a funny c connection there. How you have Justin Long and Kevin Smith and yeah. Bruce Willis, and it's like hmm, these all these guys all would end up working together more than once. If you ever um, getting your, yeah. get if you ever get around to watching Twenty Two Jump Street, throw Zach and Mary make a porno on there if you haven't seen it because that's I have actually. Oh, I, I think it's a lot of fun. I'd say that's one. Yeah. That's one. That's a Kevin Smith movie you actually have seen. Yeah, no, okay. that, that's him doing his uh, Judd Apatow impression <laughs> and doing a good job actually. He's doing way better, uh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Judd Apatow kind of, he got kind of obsessed with the family and himself maybe yeah. a little bit. His family like, specifically. Three movies yeah, have like, his family you know, my, in it. My wife needs to be in more movies. And yeah, I'm, I'm definitely equivalent to Paul Rudd. Yeah. yeah. She's <laughs> like, Paul Rudd could play me in a movie. She's real funny, <laughs> but three of his movies are just his family. Pretty much just his family. Yeah. yeah. It's like his uh, daughters and his wife, I think. Yeah, both of his daughters and his wife, yeah. 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 But, um, and Die Hard 5. Oh my God, that is a that's a problem. Like I, I, I gave that I have a, hard a lot pass. to say. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna go into it here. Um, maybe someday, but uh, someday. a good day to die hard is it's rough. Like it's real bad. <laughs> like and I hmm. I don't say that lightly. Like it, it it is a very bad action movie. Um, Jai Courtney being in there, I, he's a Toby Kebble. And Jai Courtney are like serious red flags for me in movies. Where I see Toby Kebbell in a movie and I'm like, pucker your asshole, it's kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> and Jai Courtney's the worst, though. Is he, is he the one that plays the son? Yeah. Yes. 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 Agreed. Yeah. The, uh, I, I see Jai Courtney in the cast and I'm like, this is a problem. <laughs> Who's that dipshit from Terminator Salvation? Oh, the uh, Sam Worthington. Sam Worthington, yeah. He's one of those for me. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to like Sam this. Worthington. Kind of like Jai Courtney, actually. If you let him be Aussie, if you let him just mm -hmm. be that, like not not like not like Chris Hemsworth Aussie, but just like from the fucking swamp Aussie, yeah. <laughs> like they they can do that pretty well, hmm. but they never are asked to. Uh, <laughs> like in Jai Courtney's case, he's basically just a pair of abs with a kind of like six for a face or whatever <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's good enough to be in a terminator movie <laughs> it, i'm an aussie six that's an american 10 <laughs> <laughs> yeah <that's> accurate <laughs> the shaylas love me <laughs> but kyle have you seen uh, die hard five uh no i haven't seen the fourth or fifth one uh they they came out in a time when I was like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really care about action movies. I just didn't really, it didn't really speak to me. I just, you kind of know at that point, I'm like, I don't think this is gonna be very good. This seems kind of late to be doing this. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, it's the fourth Die Hard movie. It came out the same year as uh, the first Transformers movie, so it was already a little bit of a crowded oh, summer. Yeah, no. And yeah, and were you doing military stuff then? 
Yeah, and I would say you and I have radically different approaches when it comes to uh, action movies. Uh, you watch them, so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Very true. Very true. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Uh, it, it. Yeah, that, at that point, new movies were. It was Dark Knight came out, so literally, if there was a movie on, it was The Dark Knight or Step Brothers or The Dark Knight. Those were the two movies constantly being played on the ship. Oof. Constantly. Oh. That is, <laughs> folks at home. I wish you could see Kyle's face when he said it. there was a uh, intensity. Know <laughs> <laughs> those movies by heart. <laughs> um, I think I think saying that it's the standard kind of makes sense because I didn't yeah. think about it till you said it. Where it's like, oh, it's like Die Hard, but in a boat. It's like Die Hard, but here. Yeah. That, that's yeah. That's that's true. Yeah. Because, I mean, were there, besides Dog Day Afternoon, are there a lot of, like, negotiation movies, like, where you have... There, every hostage. once in a while. Not all the time, but... Like, I mean, before yeah, Day, before Die Hard, oh. is what I'm saying. Oh, before Die Hard. Um, yeah, I want to I say there were, there were movies along these lines. I mean, it, you could also say, like, some of the serial killer movies that were coming out in, like, the 70s and stuff had kind of a similar vibe where it's, a, it's kind of a manhunt movie. There's usually someone taunting via, like, mail or, or phone or radio or something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, at the time, it, like, it's not entirely a unique concept, but it's all, the, it's all the little details that make it so incredibly special. Like, I mean, we didn't even get into all of it. Like, I like the, the flight attendant the first couple of shots of the movie yeah how he yeah. just like they kind of shoot each other a look it's one of those things it's like didn't have to be there i appreciate it and then the naked woman across the way where it's like she was naked it's in a yeah it's like an apartment or across the street or something. i yeah, thought she was on the like, phone yeah i didn't realize she was naked well you yeah know. she's like pacing around on the phone and uh it's at a moment though where it's entirely appropriate because he's trying to figure out how to signal for help mm-hmm and he just looks out the window, and he's like, what do I got? It's like, oh, okay, I have a woman that's like, how am I going to get her attention other than shooting at her window? That's not going to really help me right now. I'm <laughs> oh, wait, here's a cop. <laughs> well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like they would go to her building. They wouldn't go to his building and stuff. Yeah. So it's like, where did it come from? Who knows? But it's stuff like that, it's like you can tell that everybody making this movie was kind of firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. And it's like in so many ways, it's like if you – take out like the acting side of it because every every actor in this movie really nails their roles like if you take out the acting and you just think of it as like shots music and editing like everybody gave their best effort Mm -hmm. the the movie funny enough is shot by one of your favorites kyle uh jan de bont twister yes director of twister um, and he the way he shoots this movie um it's shot on anamorphic so he gets those uh those lens flares that you know all the all the contemporary filmmakers like jj abrams like to put on display as often as possible it gets kind of yeah absurd at points well known for his lens flares but yeah it, like the way the camera glides around it's very naturalistic The john mctiernan's so good about um geography like you said about the the woman's poster like making sure that the audience has just a, just the right amount of information to understand where they are what's going on who knows what and it, it's actually kind of like an empowering experience watching the movie especially like i can't imagine what this movie would be like watching the first time because the way the story is structured like i said you have all these different parties that kind of get like roped into the situation it just keeps growing and growing until i think it tops out at about the fbi guys yeah mm-hmm. um and each and every one of them doesn't have the whole picture except for you 
the audience mm-hmm. and it makes you feel like I'm the only guy here that actually knows the whole story and like it it causes you to be more engaged in the experience because you get like frustrated with the FBI guys for being dumb and you get frustrated with Hans for like going to check the explosives by himself. Yeah, that was really was like you fucking Hans. idiot, you're the boss. <laughs> like you're you're the boss at the end. Like you can't die now. There's just like half an hour left. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, go go make Al Leong do that. Like, the guy with the hair. I'm like, you're, <laughs> you're a European group of dudes. They they have broken English, man. They're not going to be like, oh, we want uh, the, the chopper, the chopper, the chopper. What is it? The chopper. <laughs> we we the want the twirly bird. <laughs> it's got the blades. Yeah, send the twirly bird to the top of no. the building. <laughs> no, I need the holes. <laughs> I, need, I need the holes. I need the holes. Funny enough, I just uh, made my girlfriend watch uh, Fargo? Fargo the other day. Oh, nice. Yeah. Have you seen Fargo? <laughs> Is that the uh, embassy one? No. What, What's embassy? that one? <laughs> embassy? <laughs> embassy. <laughs> no, no, no. Where it's like in Israel. Oh, Ar- Argo. No, it's Argo. Argo. Boom. Close. <laughs> Can you blame me? <laughs> yeah, drop, drop the F and you're, good, and you're there. <laughs> Fargo is a uh, Coen Brothers movie. From yeah. either the late '80s, or early '90s, early '90s. It was an early '90s, 90s. jam. It's it's yeah. a lot of fun. Um, if you like Peter Stormare's f- in there. Peter Stormare's uh, super shimmy. Instead of needing holes, he needs unguent. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I think, I think he meant to say ointment, ointment. but <laughs> he very clearly says un- unguent. Uh, what's this? I think it was uh, William H Macy's one of his first roles. It might have been his I first. Like yeah, he's really good. Uh, I just watched a little clip about how he got the how he auditioned for it. I'll send it to you. It's hmm. it's funnier if he tells you. It's it's oh, nice yeah. though. Well, speaking of first roles, I I do think it's amazing that this is Alan Rickman's first like screen credit. This is his first screen it's credit. Crazy. Like I think American. So. I think he had I think he had British stuff before this. I what I what I heard was. Uh, <laughs> he was a stage actor yeah that's and what i heard someone, too someone saw him in theater and recruited him for the film and holy shit it yeah, worked yeah. out <laughs> and i Let's mean just see. hans as a character is like one of the most um, like precious contributions to the film history like honestly hans is one of the best characters in the whole movie um i'll, I'll never forget like first time i saw the movie when i was a kid um there's something about the way Alan Rickman looks and like his body language when he's introduced to the film, like coming out of the truck and like wearing the big coat and stuff. Oh yeah. He doesn't he doesn't speak for several minutes. And it was my first time seeing the movie and I I, I remember being really shocked when he first opened his mouth and clearly someone agreed with me in making the movie that's like, "Oh, we need to like save that cuz that's going to be that's going to be cool. Like that's going to be really- like a, a reveal." He's really good at the slow, like, like drawing out his words. He does not Harry Potter a lot, and it's really cool. But he does the, and father of three, or five, five or whatever. Five. Yeah. yeah. He does that in Harry Potter, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, you should really, you need to get around to those eventually. Someday, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd like to see him, if only for the music and the special effects. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's interesting that, like, just based on the way he looks... As a kid, especially, I never expected him to sound like that. Yeah. <laughs> and and honestly, I wasn't even certain if he was really going to be the bad guy. Like, I, I knew he was one of the bad guys. I didn't know he was going to be the bad guy. But then when he opens his mouth, it's like, oh, 
Oh, that's shit. a villain. Yeah, he's, like, yeah he's that, he, and him. he's got like he's got a little black book. It's like, oh shit. He, yeah. I mean, actually, that's a Christmas connection. He's got a list, and he's checking it twice. <laughs> Holy shit! I do like when he's eating. He's just fortunately he will be joining us for the rest of his life. <laughs> yeah, what was he I, I like that. That's a. I think he went with the shrimp. He goes shrimp. Oh. I think he went with the shrimp. He had a mixed plate, as far as I remember. You're asking to shit your pants if you eat shrimp cocktail past oh, the first. That would be embarrassing. Middle of a terrorist heist, and ooh, you get the shits. You have twenty. <laughs> you have you have twenty minutes from when it's set out in in the open. You have twenty minutes to eat it. If it if you get to a place and you could tell it's been out for longer than twenty minutes, don't eat it. You're gonna poop. You're gonna poop. Your I'm pants. picturing him on the shitter. With the radio yelling at Theo, <laughs> don't alter the plan. <laughs> we, do, <laughs> we do not, not alter, alter the, the plan. plan. <laughs> and if he hear alters all sorts it. of ungodly noises. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, oh, Hans's ass is toast. <laughs> <laughs> and Hans's ass is toast. It's <laughs> oh, gross. Uh, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I could talk forever about this movie, so um, unless you guys have anything else to say. Did you have one last <laughs> thing you wanted to read off your list? Uh, no, not really. You just mentioned, like, uh, the black book thing, and I was like, yeah, a couple other yeah. ones were, like, the pregnant lady, Christmas mm-hmm. at the party, uh, mm-hmm. using the packing tape, his wife's name, Holly. It's just, like, oh, yeah, Holly. little stuff like that. It's like, uh, yeah, here and there. Yeah, and... And I mean, we we end with "Let It Snow," mm. yeah. And the the papers falling out of the building may as well be snowing. Exactly, LA. Yeah. Like, it's mm. very deliberate. Like right. that doesn't happen by accident. Uh, grab a few of those if you're on the fl- if you're on the ground. <laughs> hey, <those laughs> oh, worth- oh uh, thank thanks for bringing that up, Kyle. Uh, barely related, but um, it always bugged me. One of the bad guys didn't die. Mm-hmm. Not just Theo. Not the Theo. guy that clinks There's- the. Ding! That guy. There's a guy who's Get just bah. carrying. He's carrying bonds, and yeah. he gets. He's he the gets one that. Bashed. Yep. Yeah, he's the one that flicks yeah. the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And Theo doesn't and, die. Yeah. Yep. So there's yeah, two. Theo gets. Theo gets probably arrested. Um, yeah. But that guy is on the thirtieth fucking floor where it's on fire, <laughs> unconscious on the ground. <laughs> I don't know and if he, he made it. He. Yeah. He, it's not explained to us what happened to him. It's not terribly important, but it's like in such a. I've been praising this movie for how skillfully it's stitched together. That's like a weird thing that's just hanging out there. Yeah. I mean, actually, like I forget about if that. you made the, if you made this movie today, that's how you'd make a sequel. Honestly, mm, yeah, is that guy would come back or something to bite someone in the ass, um, <laughs> or Carl would come back as a cyborg. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would come back as a cyborg. You killed his brother. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, there's a funny trivia thing about the music that plays when uh, Carl gets shot by Powell. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, I always thought uh, I always thought it was funny that his name was Powell because it enables Bruce Willis to just basically say Powell. Yeah, and it's like that's what I would call him. Right. <laughs> welcome to the party, Powell. Yeah, welcome to the party, Powell. Yeah. <laughs> Powell. But uh, the music that plays over that um, when I was. When uh, I was listening to music for a, a different episode of the show that I did with Brad about movie soundtracks, I was listening to the Aliens soundtrack, and uh, the piece of music that plays over Carl getting shot is actually from Aliens. Oh. Like it's, it's also a 20th Century Fox production, so they had the rights to it, and I guess they just decided it fit better or something, so they just slipped it in there. Hmm. I was like, oh, 
Wow. Because I was listening to it in isolation, and it came up, and I was like, this is from Aliens? This is from Die Hard. <laughs> and I looked it up, and it so, wasn't until I did some research dang. that I figured that out. Like two years later, yeah. Is it? Yeah. 86. Uh, 80, 86 to 88? Yeah. Wow. They've, no one will notice. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, anyway. Um, anything else, Nick? Yeah, I think I'm cashed. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been a rollicking discussion about uh, the Die Hard film, uh, as well as uh, the other Die Hard films. Uh, I don't think we'll ever do an episode about those, but but we did talk a little bit about them, so it's, it's something. Um, so anyway, uh, thanks a lot for joining us, Nick. This was yeah, a lot of fun. Hope to have you back someday. Thanks for like, having me. Yeah. Uh, Kyle's been teasing me with uh, some future episode ideas that he, it sounded like he was pretty confident you'd you'd feel pretty comfortable talking about them. Yeah. So hopefully you can get to those sooner rather than later. I'm game for whatever. Awesome. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but that being said, uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other catching up on cinema content uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com uh, we also have a couple of social media accounts in the form of a instagram at catching up on cinema as well as a twitter at catching cinema uh, so feel free to hit us up there if you have any suggestions for future episodes and whatnot um but that being said uh, thanks so much for joining us and uh, we will catch you next time Ha <laughs>